0: Hello, everybody.
1: Recording live from somewhere. This lets me know I'm not ready to have a kid at all because I've had a fish for ten days, and I felt like he's almost died five times. And I'm getting, I'm on edge about it all the time. I'm coming home like, what am I going to see?
2: It's the first time I walked in your apartment, and I was like, whoa, he's making himself at home. And I know that's been like a a theme on a lot of the podcast episodes. Yeah. Everybody talks about how you could just be out of here. Arrested always, development. Yeah, I like to liken it to, I think I've told you this before. I feel like you're a, like a G League NBA player who <laughs> like at any second could be traded and just could needs be, to be out the door. Could be
1: called up at any time. Yeah. And so
2: you just have to leave everything you own.
1: Why couldn't you say I'm on my 10 day NBA contract? Why do I? <laughs>
2: two way contract. A two way contract. A two way
1: contract. To be fair, I have never been called up, so that is a good point. Oh, me either. Don't worry about it. Yeah, here, which is the whole point of this. So, so
2: this is this is my call up. You called me today, and I was the, like, "Yep, uh, all right, uh, it's time. I, I'm going to
1: go to Flail's house. We all we got. Yeah, the calm before the storm. We could be at an open mic right now, but my jacket was stolen at said open mic last week, and I'm being a big baby about it, and I'm having a silent protest and not going anymore.
2: I I know Landon listens to this. Um, he does. I'm sorry I'm not there, Landon. Yeah. Um I should be there, right? I always I We should be. So for instance, had I not came here, I would have had to gone there.
1: Right. But more stage time here.
2: Well, I mean like this helps me with the dissonance of not being there. Yes. So at least I feel I, I feel a little bit better in being like, No, I'm gonna hang out with Flail, we're gonna do a podcast that's still comedy related. Right. And but I should be there, right? Like you should be getting as much stage time as you can, mm-hmm. and especially recently, I've been recording myself and doing all of that. Like a lot of things, I just haven't been doing for quite a while. And I should be there because mm-hmm. I have a lot. I've watched myself recently, and I have a lot of really bad habits. <laughs> and what, I
1: what do you, what have you noticed that you consider bad habits?
2: so when i'm on stage i think i have all these tricks okay and i think i'm being more animated than i actually am being interesting and and i've probably talked about it here and i always talk about the layers of things you can do on stage right and looking back at a video of me on stage i realize i have like three tricks and i just keep doing those same three
1: things (laughs) over and over what are the things
2: it's just like you know the eye like i i Raise my eyebrows. I yep. kind of scan the room. I use my hands quite a bit. And I use my hands. And I'm using my a hands right now. Particular finger point. The finger pointing, and there's a lot of things I like. Yeah, looking back, but of course, like you don't focus on that. You focus on what am I doing wrong? Right. Or why did I do this? Or why are they laughing at that? That's the. So it, I'm I'm pretty hard on myself, but also unbiasedly watching myself if I were watching, like I were watching Landon, if I were watching you, if I were right. watching anybody else, you're a lot more critical, but also it's like, man, I have so much bad habits. And I think a lot of that too can come from doing five minute open mics. Yes, I'm trying to push through two bits in five minutes, not letting it breathe. And I think I I'm at a weird pace when I when I watch myself at 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 an unnatural pace right. where I don't want to be telling my jokes that quickly. I so as as much as I want to go to the open mics, you can actually get bad habits from doing that.
1: It would be so much easier at this stage to do fifteen to twenty minute sets to actually get work done.
2: And that can be an open mic. I almost feel like I need fifteen minutes at an open mic.
1: Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, it can be anywhere, but you just need that time to breathe so that you can get your what however you want to start, you can get into your act, however you want to get into it. Whatever bit you or bit you actually want to work on, you could throw in there and then depending on how they go, you can explore them further or close on something that you feel more comfortable with and and have that full effect. But when you get up for 5 minutes, you don't have I can't tell you how many times that I go up with two or three bits in mind and I get off stage and I haven't gotten to any of them
2: exactly actually that happened to me when we went up to Visalia,
1: yeah, and that was ten minutes,
2: yeah it was ten minutes, and I got through one and a half jokes right at one and a half little things I had written down, and I was like, oh like I right I'm at a point where I have." too much stuff
1: but at that point you did the right thing because the night was on the line at that point yeah that was
2: it was a a very pivotal time in the lineup (laughs) there
1: it was the it was an opening opening inaugural open mic and this open mic is 10 minute each comic gets 10 minute sets which is great but it just so happened that the first three or four comics were pretty much first time first couple time comics which a first time comic can go up and do great for five minutes. There's every everyone's learning curve is different. Some people start great, some people start not so great, some people in between and, and you go up and down the roller coaster as you go. But even the ones that do great, it's usually in a five minute setting. Once you get past that and the stardust of you just being up there and then you, you're gonna have to go into something. And that fifth to tenth minute is gonna is gonna be nasty.
2: And that's exactly what happened. That's right. Yeah, I just They went up and for one I don't think they were prepared to do Mm. ten minutes because nobody's prepared to do ten minutes if you haven't done ten minutes. (laughs) And for two, and I think Jeremiah said this that night, there was a lot of premises but no actual punchlines to anything. (laughs) It (laughs) was just, hey, look at all these ideas and some people just like to talk. Like they just they will get on any stage. They they don't care if it's a music open mic, comedy open mic, they just wanna be the center of attention. Right. And those are typically the people that just let not that they let like not getting laughs roll right off their back, where if I'm not getting laughs, I can go three minutes without a laugh and then I start to feel uneasy. They could go a whole 10 minutes. They don't care because they're not trying to make you laugh. They I just always want say to be that. on stage.
1: I always say that when I see a first timer on stage, there's usually two different kinds. There's a first timer that goes up, and in a five-minute set, after 90 seconds, they're panicking, thinking they, that when they planned it, it was going to be over at this point, and they jump <laughs> off after two minutes. And then there's the other person that at their first... Open mic set—they do twenty-two minutes because they're not used to seeing the light, and they're just so enamored with themselves talking. They have no idea what else is going on in the room. So, there was that, and and at this open mic that we did last week, again the inaugural one, they got a good-sized crowd in there, and the crowd will hang with you when they're—they were generous for a little while. They were generous for a couple minutes into each set, and this was for three or four people. But after two or three minutes, if you're not telling jokes. They're gonna kind of look on their phone or leave the room and move on. So after these brand new, brand more brand new people who just wanted to be on a stage, kind of lost the crowd. Crowd. They went and started roasting the comics that they. Know. Yeah, of course. <laughs> so it's like, <laughs> what all if right, they do that. Yeah. All right. I didn't. Right, I didn't. None of the things that I planned actually became jokes and got the crowd to listen. So I guess I'll just shit on the only people I have left. And at that point,
2: who are actually listening and here's one thing i actually liked about it which is isn't a good thing to like per se but i haven't done an open mic open mic that actually shared the same space with the bar like in the last eight nine months
1: and boy is it nice not to yeah you forget <laughs> that right
2: yeah. so tembler we're separate we're off in a back room rocket shop we're separate off in a back room and one of my favorite things about rocket shop is actually closing that hangar and being like okay we're doing something in here you guys stay out now there." now you can't leave yeah so i enjoy that so we're always separate where everything's focused on comedy in this particular room you we were like you can talk to the bartender and they were still taking drink orders and so that that helps you with a, with a certain skill because you're going to run into shows like that. You're going to be booked on things where you're going to be sharing.
1: And oftentimes, the bartender's not a comedy student, so they want to talk. Yeah, <laughs> they you always up, do. If you show up to talk to the bartender, bartender's more than happy to have a whole conversation with you. <laughs> Fuck the guy on stage I trying can't, to get
2: tips. I can't tell you how many bar shows I've been a part of where the bartender becomes a part of the show. Yep. And it's just something that, like, as a host you have to really hone in on and be like, okay, I need to just shut that down. <laughs> but most, if you're hosting a bar show, chances are you probably don't have those chops to actually do that. Yeah. Uh, I've also been to bar shows here at Shamrocks where the hosts would encourage that. And so the whole show you're dealing with a, a bar crowd, b a bartender and c people who, didn't want to pay five dollars to get into their regular bar and now you're sticking them with comedy that's I was, not why they're there
1: i was at a bar show one time where a heckler heckled a comic on stage the comic on stage chastised the heckler and the bartender yelled at the comedian from the bar to leave the heckler alone because the heckler is one of his best paying customers and i uh. was like oh we're done here. <laughs> yeah, that,
2: that, that's not going to stick too long if, you, if that's the setup.
1: And, and plans went in place immediately to disengage. But luckily, the newspaper took care of that long <laughs> before we had to.
2: I absolutely, I would say a large part of the bombing I've done, most of it has probably been at bar shows. Yep. I, I just don't have, I don't have comedy that's fit for bar, period um kind of long form comedy doesn't do well at bars right. you know who, you know who doesn't want to listen to stories about your kids or your father or you mm-hmm. anybody at a bar right. they don't want to listen to any of that they want to hear low-hanging fruit and i i've said this millions of times and i know you've you've heard me say this because i am one of the people that probably say this too often there's it's a I call them bar comics bar comics bar comics people people who are in I know quite a bit of them that do really well at bars because they do that low-hanging fruit those penis jokes the sleeping with my fat girlfriend like that stuff that to me is very surface level and I even though I respect every comic, I don't necessarily have like it's just not the comedy I would do. You can
1: and you can hear two or three words of that joke and giggle,
2: and you know where every single one of those jokes ends up. Mm-hmm. But the thing is, is I think there's people who can do bar comedy as kind of a part of their toolkit. So right. I think I can get on stage and survive at a bar. I you know I'm not going to do the best, but I can you know I'll give them what they want. Right. But there's people who come away after a bar show and they're like, oh, I killed it. I'm an amazing comic. And it's like, you did a bar show. Like, and you're proud of that? And, I mean, you can be proud of it, but i like, you oh, I have to know that that's, you did the lowest form of comedy that there is
1: the best thing yeah the best thing i can do is take a bit and try to make that bit work at a bar show but it's one of those
2: by doing what like what's your go-to you always have to like throw all kinds of f-bombs in your material you have to make them a little bit dirty you have to do you have to take your material and like drag it through the mud in order to get kind of a bar crowd to laugh at
1: it yeah i've kind of i've started doing I've started doing this new thing where it hurts to it hurts to try to make your joke work for a bar. And I used to do the thing where you just get louder and faster and throw the F bombs in it and talk about just get as dirty as you possibly can. Now I've kind of changed and I don't think this is necessarily better. <laughs> it just feels better for my soul. What I'll do is if there's too much commotion or they're not paying attention, I'll I'll just get just by nature i'll just get really quiet for a minute and even more slowly than i would in a in a nice room i'll methodically go into a bit and take pauses and i'll go like all right if you buy in i'll give you the candy i'll give you the bit that i don't i'll give you the bit that is me but it's what it's most related to what this crowd is right now i'll give it to you but you're going to have to deal with this intro and if you don't I'm just going to roast everyone I see and just flamethrow the room and, and and try to weave that into my act. You decide how this is going to go. If you give me a shit show, I'm going to give you one back, and maybe you enjoy that. But
2: but it, that's something that you have in your tool belt, right? Because right. I, I think of that as if I were to watch you do that, like take a deep breath, ease into something slower, you're trying to take control back of the room. right? Right. You're trying to say, okay... If you're not on board for this, then exactly what you said, you're going to start flamethrowing the room. But just, I respect the fact that you can even think about pausing, taking back control, and making the best of that situation or gauging it out utilizing a bit.
1: The other thing is from creeping out enough crowds because I've learned that I can come off as a maniac at times, especially if I get roasty or like deal with a heckler or chastise someone from stage. I've learned I've learned to acknowledge that from the stage like uh, I, as a matter of fact that the week my jacket was stolen at the place we should be right now. People were talking at the bar very loudly. And, and someone in the crowd crowd was nice enough to go like shh two or three times and finally I just said look can you shut the fuck up I said, and knowing that it's a a music venue. I I said, look, and figuring the people at the bar were in bands. I said, look, I know you're used to listen to dissonant music, but can you just listen to bad comedy for five minutes? And I'm sure I didn't say it as composed as I said it now. I'm sure I said it like my body was leaving the stage towards them as I did. And there was just kind of a hush over the room and everyone looking at what's going to happen next. And I've learned to just go like... (laughs) It, it, who I really am and my personality is I freak out and then if you get nervous I feel bad so I get too nice so I look like a maniac in both directions so what I've learned to do is when that happens and the crowd clams up I just kind of go what I mean to say is thanks for coming and joining yeah. the show and then <laughs> they all kind of go like oh, like, and they usually laugh but
2: I think there's a there's definitely a certain way that you can address those things and so for instance when you did that last week I actually have that on tape yeah um, Whenever you try to shut people down, you can't be shutting down the whole crowd. And so something as simple as saying, "Hey everybody at the bar," right, versus "Hey everybody," right, right. because there are people who were close to you and who were listening and people were there to watch comedy, but what you did is you divided the room between the bar who's not here to watch comedy versus everybody else. Yeah. So you always have people in your corner. Right. And I think even if you just did that innately or you didn't even think about that when you were doing it, to me, it's a good way to actually keep the people who are listening to you on board with a- you.
1: Acknowledge them as having been good.
2: Exactly. But also try to bring in the people at the crowd or try to get them to shut the hell up.
1: Yeah. And it worked. That's a good point, and tell me what you think about this, but I think it's probably good to avoid being too preachy because I've seen people get preachy of like, we're here to do a show, you could be upstairs, goddammit, it! And you're ruining it for all these other people. And people will clap and they'll go like, yeah, but now the crowd's focused on righteous, and it's tough to get back into, so then I pecker slapped, you know, whatever. <laughs> you know, it's tough to cross that threshold again back to goofiness after you've, got, you've been right, after you've been so right.
2: I I think there's a way of addressing uh, hecklers or people not paying attention or whatever the whatever you're up against. Mm-hmm. You have to stay in the tone of your comedy, which you're actually I think in a good position because <laughs> some of your comedy already <laughs> already comes off as like yelling <laughs> Seinfeld yeah. uh, as like a uh, so that tone actually yeah. works pretty well with it. But you have to stay kind of in. I don't want to say in character, but you have to stay in the vein of whatever your comedy is. Right. That's true. Address them that way so that people don't feel like there's a definite divide between what you were doing and what you're actually saying right now. Yeah. And you have to keep everybody on board with you. So if you're going to have to shut down a heckler, you do have to let them know they have to shut the hell up. But you don't want to... You don't want to come off as mean. Right. Because and then you're going to come back and try to do your set, and it requires people to be invested in you. Yeah. And they don't want to invest in somebody who's going to tell somebody, to, hey, you fucking old lady, shut the fuck up. Now you're right? not the,
1: quote, funny guy. Now you're the, quote, tough guy. Exactly. Ooh. And
2: you come off as super fake, like, oh, that was actually Seemed you. Seemed like a douchebag. Exactly. Like, if it just seems out of character. Yeah then you you create this divide of like this character you're doing versus who you actually are right and i feel like there's even that takes talent being able to actually handle a crowd be nice about it have the crowd on board with you but also get what you want which is everybody paying attention and get somebody to shut the hell up right and i've seen it done tactfully where you can actually acknowledge them give them a little bit Right, play with them a little bit. Oh, okay, like whatever. And then come to a point where you're like, All right, you've had your time. Like, okay, we're we're moving on. <laughs> yeah. And I I think I think that the few times I've seen that done, it actually works well to right. play into it a little bit and then back up and then say, Okay, we're all moving on. Like you've had your time, let's let's go. Yeah. Because the trick is not to lose the crowd. The the trick is to have the crowd thinking
1: stay in your mindset during this whole thing
2: exactly because otherwise you're going to lose everything and to do that like early in a set um doing that five in a five minute open mic like that's that's fine because it's not like you're going to have to do 40 minutes after that right but to shut down a heckler make it awkward and at eight minutes in and then have to do 30 minutes after that like there's just you're going to be fighting an uphill battle your whole set and if you're doing a 30 minute set chances are you're headlining you're going up last you're featuring and it's going to be it's going to be tough you're just going to be fighting that the whole set I just feel like it's something that audience members probably don't even pay attention to or maybe even other comics but like you have to shut people down and do it in a nice way do it in a way that's tactful and in a way that doesn't take you out of your character, and you could just keep going.
1: Exactly. What's your? Do you have a standard method of deal, when a, when a heckler happens to you? Because I think I've seen something from you, but I'm curious to hear what your method is. It
2: depends on where in my set I'm at. So, mm-hmm. like, what I'll do, um, for instance, I I do a bit where I I do the OK sign, yeah. like with my fingers, and. A little bit about that bit it just means that my daughter is flipping me off yeah. right so what i what i'll do is if i've already reached a point where i've told that joke in my set <laughs> i'll actually tell the audience member like hey all right and then do the same <laughs> thing to them yeah. essentially flipping them off so it's still part of the bit yeah uh but it's nicer and every you've kind I of i have
1: seen you do that before in the and the room erupts when you and do
2: it, it. and it works because people are already in on that That joke, right? Um, I I don't think I've ever been in a situation where I've completely had to shut down a heckler and have came out of character.
1: Well, you do this subtle thing that I think works out really well. If someone, like usually a heckler, put out a little feeler first, and they'll say a thing, and you'll just kind of nod at them and go like, "Oh yeah," and and like repeat a word or two, and it just kind of because hecklers suck. They're not. They're not gonna be funny. It's usually never gonna be funny. Never. So you'll just kind of repeat it just a little bit, and then just go back into your thing, and it's kind of over at that point.
2: Yeah, it's just they want your acknowledgement in a weird way. Like, oh, you're you're just on stage. You're just some dude on stage, and for some reason, they either want to fuck with you. Yep. They want. Sometimes they think they're helping. Yeah, they think they're helping, right? And that that happens. So much Would where you? like oh you get off stage and they're like oh yeah man I I was trying to help you I was you know I was giving you something uh, and it's like thanks you're not helping so, me yeah it's
1: like you go see a juggler and knock the bowling pin out of his hand I was just trying to help <laughs>
2: <laughs> I traveled an hour to come do this show you're not helping me right, right. like if you want to help me drive me home
1: <laughs>
0: <Yeah>. <laughs>
2: if you want to help me buy me a drink and but often more often than not they will buy you a drink that's right? true. and hecklers more. More often times than that, they just don't know what they're doing. No.
1: Um, and I know I beat a dead horse, but our new method of dealing with hecklers, as far as the group goes, is so much get fun. get up? Get on, get get on, on stage. stage. Get, get on, on stage. stage. We did it again this past Thursday, and this dude was like a, he was what the guys in the group would call an alpha dude. So he's sitting up there with his girl and he's like got his arm around her and like he's her, like he's her here. Like you could tell like he's the man, he's the man in his group and at home and all that. And he's sitting dead set in front of the stage. And a couple of people have like, like pointed down and like involved him in the show. But like six comics after that, he decides he wants to get involved. And finally, finally he does it when the host goes on stage. And the host says, if you do that one more time, I'm gonna have to bring you on stage, but that was enough for me and the rest of the, <laughs> the group. You started it. You I, started the whole I thing. I was waiting for three comics for someone to say, "Get on!" <laughs> All you—you you didn't even have to be. Ta- if you said the word "stage," I was ready to get it going. I was, and I'll go around. And it wasn't even a good reference, but again, we go around and someone decides the most—the most silly celebrity that the person looks like. Just one that you'd go like, like, that doesn't have to be bad, but just one, you know one. Yeah. When someone goes, hey, I know a guy you look just like, and you go, okay, show me a picture, and they show you a picture, and you go, Jesus Christ, what (laughs) the fuck? If I look like that, I'm going to jump off a bridge right now. I just wanted to go with something goofy that his friends could laugh at him for. So I whispered to everybody, Eddie Winslow. Eddie Winslow from Family Matters. Is that... I was gonna yeah, say, it kind of. I was gonna say Urkel because he looked, he was more Urkel, like he was more Urkel, like Stefan Urkel, like cool Urkel, the cool, yeah, the but cool Urkel would have pissed him off, and he's right in the front of the room, so I didn't want him to, and he's with his girl, so I didn't want to piss him off and make him want to fight whoever's on stage. I wanted to just, so I figured Eddie Winslow would be better than Stefan Urkel. We could have had a problem, yeah. Eddie Winslow, his friends can laugh at him, and he can't really swell up, yeah, because it's Eddie, Eddie Winslow.
2: Well, here's the thing. That guy wasn't even facing the stage.
1: No. Like, his back was to
2: the stage. Uh, he was literally facing, he wasn't, like, he didn't even want to be a part, right. he didn't want to watch comedy. No, But it's like, you're in the room where they do comedy, and literally everybody <laughs> in your group is watching comedy except you. Right. And... Then he becomes, like some of it probably we we drug out of him because right. we're like hey why don't you turn around <laughs> because it's super weird to be doing comedy why with someone back towards you Oh, oh that's why cuz you're yeah, an that, asshole. Oh, okay. <laughs> I, I if I were you, I would be as turned around as possible always also.
1: Do you have a best heckle you've a favorite heckle you've ever gotten? Like some you actually enjoyed it.
2: The only the only time uh, there was once in Taft and I wouldn't call it a heckle uh, but s- well, I guess any anytime anybody yells anything out while you're on stage yeah. is a heckle, yeah. um, but I just kind of viewed what they did as a reflection on me and my comedy mm-hmm. and what I needed to work on and how shitty of a comic I was being. Right. It was in Taft. It was at an Oasis show. I don't know if it was an Andrew Boydston-ran show <laughs> or Eric Seifert was running shows at some point out there okay. as well, and- typical oasis show it's up in this basement looking thing and there's not a lot of people there so it's tough to
1: can i ask you a weird question yeah was a roller derby team there no it wasn't okay. that show i heard you talk about that no show. but i'm just i've seen so many roller roller derby and comedy seems to go hand in hand in this town actually yeah i know and a comic especially taft
2: i i know a comic whose his wife is a roller derby person um, really
1: yeah I don't know one in town.
2: It's in Porterville, Jason Watsonville, or shout Jason, out to
1: Jason.
0: Yeah, his
2: wife does
1: roller Winchester's derby. Winchester's Tinfieldville, Iowa. Like, <laughs> it's really
2: roller derby's weird. It um, is. So we're up at, at the Oasis. We're sitting. You know, I'm I'm up on stage. There's not a lot of people there. So if you have their attention, one person yelling anything is he going to get the whole room because there's just not enough people there to, you know, if you have them, you need to keep them. Right. If there's, yeah.
1: If, if he's part of a group of six, he is the room.
2: Yeah. And I was doing a bit, a really low hanging, just a crappy bit about how my, I had a TiVo and the TiVo, gosh, I'm ashamed to even be talking about this bit. Uh, how I so started recording things. 1997. Yeah, it was really... <laughs> <laughs> a fucking TiVo. A TiVo.
1: A DVR <laughs> or whatever they're called. I got this Betamax yeah. the other day.
2: But I, I, the whole bit was like I started recording something and then from there it was like a smart TiVo or something. So it would start recording things it thought I liked. Okay. And it would always give me a notification like we think you like, and it would make a suggestion like right. we think you know you watched Real Housewives, we think you'd like Basketball Wives or yeah. like whatever, right? Yeah. And I forget the whole set. I haven't done the bit probably since then. But the the punchline is the TiVo thing pops up and says we think you like dick, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> And, of course, like I, I get to that part, and it's like a slow buildup, and I'm like, and then the TiVo pops up, I think you like, and then right as I'm about to hit it, the guy in the, from the back goes,
1: dick! <laughs> <laughs> and that's when you're like, time for that joke to yeah, go.
2: Yeah, it's got to go. Because if this asshole guessed it. And I, I stopped dead in my tracks, and I was like, Yeah. <laughs> Like, that's it. That's the whole
1: bit. That's exactly Uh, right.
2: And that's what we almost like what we talked about earlier. It's a bar bit, right? Like, it's talking about penis, and you know where every joke is going before they get there, and he obviously did. Yep. And I don't do that bit anymore. I haven't even thought about the bit since then, but it was somebody yelling out, like, heckling, and and it's just like, jeez, I got to throw that away. I did have somebody on stage when I was first starting out I I did comedy literally everywhere. Anywhere they would let me do comedy, we'd do comedy. And right. it was pretty early on, and I thought I was the shit.
1: And <laughs> Please see episodes one and two.
2: <laughs> I still think I'm the shit. No. I, I went up at, at a place called Vinny's Bar on Union, which is funny because it's not too far from where we do Rocket Shop. Right. And I did a, a bit about wanting to join a gang or something. And there was a guy who was there who was actually in a gang and didn't like my (laughs) bitch. And I told him... And this just comes with the experience, right? So this... If you don't know how to handle a heckler, things can get out of hand pretty quickly. I didn't know how to handle him talking through my set, saying things, yelling things out. So what I did is, of course, I'm... I'm two feet taller and 300 pounds heavier because I'm on stage. Like, you feel like that. Uh And he started talking, and I was like, hey, shut the fuck up. (laughs) And he did not like that at all. Of course not. And from where he stood, threatened to stab me. Yep. And it got so bad that he ended up talking through the rest of my set, like, not talking, like, literally yelling at me how he was going to kill me in the parking lot. I'm getting death threats as I'm going through all my low-hanging fruit
1: jokes. By the way, here's our crazy stand-up is. Flashback to 10 minutes ago when Joe said, I don't think I've ever really had to deal with a heckler.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Just a guy who tried to kill me. Yep. And it it got so bad that as I left the stage, like the bar owner literally had to wait for me to get off the stage. The bar owner, uh, another another local comic, Chase Brockett, and... One of my family Which probably members. sounds like
1: a much tougher name than the man is. I'm just guessing.
2: Oh, see, I don't even think Chase Brock would sound Chase tough. Brockett. He's probably a buck 68 and he's not a very tough guy. Love the guy. Not a tough guy. Yep, Not going to uh, handle the gang. Members. So they have to actually escort me through the kitchen, wow. through the kitchen of the place.
1: And this is like the opposite of good fellows. <laughs>
2: <laughs> and have a car waiting for me so I could get off stage so, the bartender told one of my family members I'd came with to park out back. Like, hey, this is getting out of hand. Park out back. We're going to escort him out. We, As soon as he gets off stage, they literally escorted me through the back, through the kitchen, into an already started car. And all I hear is, like, the guy yelling. And so, I don't... He was essentially just threatening to kill me, and I immediately had to leave after my set. Right. Because if not, I would have gotten stabbed. So, I mean, I don't know how well I dealt with that. What a
1: savvy move by Vinny's, which suggests that this man who was the heckler was not the only one involved in gang activity. If they knew how to help you... Escape this way. And
2: this isn't probably the first time that this has happened. I'm sure there's many people who've gone to Vinny's that have had to exit through the kitchen because of one thing or another. It's just that part of town is just sketchy. And Vinny's isn't even around anymore. Like he got shut down and it used to be an old biker bar is what it was. And
1: speaking of almost getting stabbed, being threatened on stage to be stabbed, I did the same thing with a gang member that the story of Justin Brown getting his head busted open was broken up by two gang member bikers. So I figure make a joke toward them as they go toward the back of the room. They're, they're from Taft and I don't know what gang gang, Is what motorcycle gang is in Taft? All I know is they wore red and black. Which one's not in Taft? Which one's not in Taft? (laughs) Which
2: motorcycle gang is not in Taft?
1: All I knew is they wore red and black. I should Google this afterwards and just thinking that they would enjoy it because they broke up the fight, they're probably part of the they want to be part of the show. As the room is settling down, I I asked the room to thank the Hells Angels from Gangland. In the back of the room for breaking up the fight, and they went. I don't know what gang they're a part of, but I know they don't like the Hell's Angels because they went bananas as soon as I said it. And so it's
2: a rival motorcycle gang,
1: must be. And I don't. I'm not. I won't do the force you to listen to the bit. But they cornered me after my set, and again, just skated by on on just knowing how to, just knowing how to get by in situations like that. It was kind of cool. And then they kind of went to their corner and I went to my corner. And it. W- I think it was one of those, all right, like we either don't want to do it here or he's just enough of a handful that I kind of don't, I'd kind of rather just watch the show. But as the night wore on, I could see very clearly they're, they're deciding more and more that they kind of do want to deal with it. Yep. So as soon as the show ends, I grab whoever's going home with me and I go, let's just get the hell out of here. Let's just... Let's give them there. Let's give them their out because yeah, the more of those beers that flow, the less likely it is that we're gonna leave this thing peacefully. And I don't. I just. How do you win that?
2: Yeah. Who you know who you don't want on your side is a bunch of comics. Exactly. In a, fight, in a bra. Yeah. What kind hell's, of, as
1: a gang member?
2: <laughs> with not the Hell's Angels. As a the gang, gang was. member.
1: What kind of tattoo do you get if you kill a comedian? <laughs> you get a whoopee cushion tattooed on well, your depends. eye on your I eyelid. would say
2: smile now cry later but oh, with our comic it's just cry now just cry later. Crying. So it's
1: just two two tragedy masks <laughs> on your cheek.
2: But it's that happens right like at this level of, of comedy that we're doing it's just like you're gonna run into stuff like that, or at
1: least that we were doing because luckily that hasn't <laughs> happened in a while.
2: <laughs> I don't know if I've ever told you this, but what one of your uh one of my favorite things that you do, and it's like such a stupid little thing is during that bit
1: it, uh, before you mention it, thank you f- <laughs> 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 thank you for that lead in
2: uh and it's and you can edit this out like whatever no. <laughs> But you introduce, you introduce that motorcycle gang and you say something of along the lines of, you announced who's ready to fight tonight. <laughs> and then you say, and they were ready to fight, pause, tonight. <laughs> like, yeah. And it's this really weird pause that you do in between fight and tonight <laughs> that for some reason gets me all the time. And you didn't do it last time I, I watched you do that bit because- the last time you did that bit was in between um a not so great set and, and you were whatever. trying to bring back the room. Yeah. And so you did like a condensed version of that and you actually left that part out. But to me it's like I don't know what it is about that pause that I appreciate so much <laughs> because it's <laughs> you, almost like you can feel the defeat of what you're about to go through or <laughs> like you I, I don't know what it is, but like that pause does so much for that bit,
1: and you, you know what bums me out is i try to s- I try to set it up ahead of time, and the part that i really the part that I really enjoy the crowd never almost never laughs at, so I talk about Andrew as the host um like in and the ridiculousness as the show starts, and I talk about the true story of in in, in short after a memorial service for someone who died in town and a group showing up didn't know we were doing a comedy show the host of the show grabs the microphone and says who's ready to laugh tonight and then and I'll say and they weren't and I'll say and they didn't and then or when I when I talk about the moment of silence like I say they, they do a memorial for this person uh, they do a moment of silence, and I take a beat, and I say, it would not be the last moment of silence of the evening. <laughs> the crowd never laughs at that, and it's my favorite part. <laughs> Meanwhile, there's other things in my act that aren't setups or punchlines at all. And that for some reason, some reason it gets, a, like, t- like t- I didn't know, even know I said tonight, that gets a laugh. My my s- moment of silence thing n- almost never gets never a laugh. Never gets a laugh. Almost never. I don't, I feel... I feel it's like so these, weird.
2: I feel like there's uh, moments in and some people's sets that are just kind of a little bit more. I don't want. I don't want to say a little bit more genuine than than others, but I feel any anytime there's a shift in mood in your in your joke.
1: <laughs> I know the like two people you're talking yeah, about. <laughs> I
2: feel like I I enjoy that because to me it's like. Oh, it's a window into like There you are. There you are. Yeah, there you are. Yeah. All right. There, there you, you are.
1: That's what got you into stand up right there. Yeah,
2: and I, I I don't know what it is. Like I I love I love almost like the kind of comedy I can't do, mm-hmm. which is these I try to give a piece of myself, but I also plan that piece of myself. Yeah. I, I know what I'm gonna say, I know how I'm gonna say it, I know you know, and I have all these uh, audibles I can go to with my hands, slowing down, like those things.
1: Yeah, I wish I didn't respect your comedy so much because when you said I like to do comedy, I can't do. It was the perfect <laughs> moment to say good, <laughs> good, comedy. <laughs> good comedy,
2: good comedy, good <laughs> comedy. But like, there's there's this this genuineness that people have sometimes. Yeah. These windows. And I feel like everything I'm doing is so predetermined, and I I feel like it's, now looking back and actually watching myself on tape, it it seems mechanistic, even though other people might not be able to pick up on it. But those moments that some people have, it's just like, to me, it's like lightning in a bottle. It's like... That wasn't planned. (laughs) You felt defeated. Mm -hmm. Like these That's
1: why that's I think that's why it always gets a laugh when someone tells a joke and it bombs and they tell another joke and it bombs and they go, Okay, that didn't work. (laughs) 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 Because it's like Or or like Hacker does this all the time. If he tells a joke and it bombs, he'll go I'll work on that one.
2: Yeah. <laughs> it's gonna be hot next year. That one's gonna be hot next year. That one's, year. Gonna, that be one's gonna be hot next year. But yeah, year. Hecker does do that. I haven't noticed that. He, he says I'll work that on that he, one. Because <laughs> that's admitting
1: defeat. It's just. It's so yeah. Like on to the next. My, I'll give you my my favorite heckle was from maybe my favorite place to do comedy, and it was an entire crowd, and they did it with no words. San Luis Obispo, of course.
2: Yeah. It was at the the coffee shop.
1: Yep, Kreuzberg, which is the now, the now defunct for comedy Kreuzberg. I hope they bring it back. They're not someday. doing it
2: at all. It's such a great place to do comedy.
1: I know. It was perfect. And the crowd is always so good there. They're smart. They're engaged. They fill the room all the time. Like fill, like full, full floor filled, full balcony filled, and the stairs filled. of people just wanting to listen. But everyone's still right on top of you. It's f- awesome. And awesome. And the shit that you and I like to do, that's what they want. All That's, over it.
2: It's the perfect room for it.
1: Perfect room for it. And so I'm doing my act, and I I'd start doing a bit about my brother, uh, my my brother being uncomfortable around gay people. Oh yeah, I know that bit. And just I'm just talking my way. Yeah, you know every bit. <laughs> You're going to pass this test if I am. All right, I know that. Baby. Yeah. So I I start doing the bit and I'm talking about a very particular thing of me propositioning my brother to make him see that not only is he comfortable with gay people, but he may identify with them more than he does and I'm talking about this I'm talking about this argument that I'm having back and forth with him and throughout the course of that I'm not cognizant of what I'm saying, but I slip and say when I when I do let him finish and the way that I said it was like in a way of like almost like I'm blowing my brother yeah <laughs> but I don't realize that and the whole crowd just, I can't explain like the giggle that they did but they they heard what I said and they looked at me to see if it was a part of the act like if I was going to bullshit play it off like oh let him finish but I didn't know I said it, so they looked at me. They they noticed that I said it. They noticed that I didn't notice it, and then they collectively noticed amongst each other that they, that they get it and I don't. And they let out this laugh, and I got and I just gone, oh fuck you guys! <laughs> and it, it, it was it was the best heckle I've ever gotten.
2: That yeah, that's 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 an amazing heckle. So, yeah, I would love to have that heckle. I
1: mean, yeah, that's as opposed
2: what, to somebody trying to stab me in a parking. Heckled bus.
1: by A students.
2: That. That room, is. I, I've done the room I think once or twice mm-hmm. only, but man, was that room so great for comedy. Yep. They have like that stair thing. That's. I'm thinking of the same room, right? Yep. Like they they have like a kind of a top tier thing going on. Mm-hmm. Um, what do you have a bit that you hate doing? Um, have have you ever talked about that? Like. In,
1: I have a bit that I stopped doing in large part because of you. Why is that? Because. For one, I didn't like doing it in the first place. I pull it out at bars once in a while, if it, it as a transitionary thing. It goes back to the brother thing, and on the way home from a show that we both had that was a great show, we had a great show. We we're on the way home, and I think it, I think that night I I did like 35 or 45 minutes. Was that Hanford? It was Hanford, okay. Hanford number two. Which, if we have time, we can we can just yeah, talk Hanford about Hanford two, the Hanford two. Awesome place, awesome show, and. When we were on the way home, you brought up this one joke, and you're like, "Yeah, I, I don't remember hearing that joke. Where did you? When did you start telling that?" And and as soon as you said it, I knew, you knew it was cheap, <laughs> <laughs> and you knew I didn't like it. It's the it's the how much would it cost? Back to the thing with my brother, is the how much would it cost for, for you, you to two, actually for it to do something? Yeah, and so. It, as soon as, like, it was already on the fringes of my act, but as soon as you said that, I was like, "God damn!" it. Yeah, I it's, think
2: that was my nice way to tell you.
1: It was, <laughs> it was, <laughs> and you owed me one because like I a, did it to you once before like too, a, and I don't even remember the bit that I told you.
2: But um, you do a you did a bit that night that I, I haven't. I don't think I've heard it since then. It's like the what you would do to just have zero money
1: that's well that's the problem it's part of that bit it's right? part of that bit
2: so like there's this low-hanging fruit portion of that bit and you gotta and then you got it and then the risk the rest of the bit i absolutely love because right. like everybody relates to it right especially if you have student loans yep. like I, I know it sounds weird because we're not you're not telling the bit so we're just kind of describing right but
1: well since it's, it's such a great
2: bit and but there's this part of it that's it, it it was like this low You and I
1: you and I both like fifteen percent of it, but the eighty five percent that you need to get there we don't like and and two comics in every scene are doing a version of the bit. Yeah, it's I at mean least, in this scene least... they're doing it because they heard me do it. But in other scenes but to they, me, they came up with it on their own.
2: But to me, the the challenge in that is how do you write that eighty five percent? Right. Right? Like how do you make that something you like because you like that fifteen percent and is it even worth salvaging like if is that fifteen percent worth rewriting the whole thing to keep this one part of a three minute bit right that kind of sounds like other people's stuff? You'd
1: probably just cut out you could probably just cut out the eighty five percent especially especially since I've got some bar exam related shit yeah, probably just cut out the eighty five percent and just toss it in there. I, we'll see how it works. Here I you go, Bomb bit. Diaries. You're you're we're workshopping bits right in, right in front of <laughs> yeah. your fucking ears.
2: <laughs> Show up to open mic on Thursday. That's we'll, right. You'll get to hear all this beautiful stuff. So,
1: talking about rooms that we like and rooms where shows have gone well. Let's talk about some bad ones. <laughs> <laughs> Isn't that what we were doing? That yeah, really. It's yeah. how we started. Yeah, no kidding. Um, you had you had two stories that you thought about touching on today do you remember what they were yeah i can so pull up the text i don't know these stories i don't think i know anything about these stories
2: actually one of them circles back to bombing early in your set when you're doing a long set yep and then I having can to, share a war
1: story with you there
2: yeah and having to actually fight back from that the other the second one um i'll make that one the first one is w- when you're first starting comedy you sign up for everything, mm-hmm. right? Like you don't care as long as they're giving you time. You're gonna show up. You're not gonna ask questions. You're yep. just you're there, right? And I'm sure, like this scene, eighty percent of the people, if you, if you, it's like that, everything sounds good on the outside. The right. Wayne Gretzky thing. The there may everything. Be,
1: there may be three or four of us that are that that are to any degree picking and choosing. Still, <laughs>
2: <laughs> that's true. Um, I I was probably. That was in my first year of comedy for sure. Yep. And so I was asked to do a show for the, Mer- the American Cancer Society.
1: Boy, you had a tough back six months of your first year of comedy. The first six months were fire. The second six months were tough sledding. Well, yeah,
2: because that's when you get a, a big head. <laughs> and you think you 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 think you can just show up to things unprepared. Yeah. You think, right, like you're trying harder when you first start, I guess. <laughs> uh, it's like a relationship. Like that first six months, you're getting flowers. You're going to the movies. That last six months, you're like, what are you doing?
1: By the way, you're, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what are you up to? <laughs> <laughs> By the way, your first charity gig, what a cherry popping that is. What an exercise of exactly what you thought was going to work isn't going to work at all.
2: Yeah. It's... We were asked to go to Oakhurst, California. So here, a little tidbit about Oakhurst, California, which I learned once I got there, is they have a really high like sexual predator rate,
1: which is really weird. You creep me out telling me about towns where just child molesters live and only them. There's like towns of four people, and you sent me down a rabbit hole looking at this <laughs> shit.
2: So Oakhurst is one of those towns, and I think... <laughs> <laughs> And here's the thing. I think the reason being is because I don't know the laws. I mean, you're you're in law. You can tell me maybe. Uh, uh, no,
1: probably but, not this law. Yeah, but. these laws I don't know because they're <laughs> – <laughs> <laughs> These are laws that no one wants to Google. Yeah,
2: exactly. And so I think if you're a sex offender, you have to tell – like if you move it into somewhere new, you have to tell everybody within like a certain radius that you've moved into that – your home, or whatever. You have to, like, mm-hmm. do some kind of formal letter introducing yourself and saying you're a sex offender. I think
1: we've all seen The Big Lebowski. Is that? I have, I've that, never the, watched it. Oh, you never have? I've never watched it. Well,
2: ever. It's one of those things I refuse to watch. Why? Because I just have gone 33 years without watching it. So okay. why start now?
1: <laughs> yeah. There's the musical parts of it I'm not a huge fan of, but I'm sorry. Anyway, no, back, it's, to, but, back to your um, gross town. So
2: just. <laughs> And I guess the reason why is because if you live in the middle of nowhere, you don't have neighbors, so you don't have to announce it to anybody. If there's nobody in that radius, there's nothing to announce. So it's kind of a place that uh, predators go to lay, lay low, I guess. I don't know. Okay. Um, well, anyways, American Cancer Society was putting on a event at this beautiful resort out in Oakhurst. <laughs> and
1: is it actually a nice resort?
2: It is. It's a, a super nice resort. It's one of those things where... Like, if you live in Oakhurst, it's where you go, it's where all the weddings are, it's where people renew their vows, it's...
1: Once they're old enough to.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to get there, but... Um, so it's one of those places, it's, it's pretty fancy. I didn't know that at the time. I get a text an hour before comics are supposed to show up there. Hey, we have this thing in Oakhurst, they want comics there, do you want to come? You'll be able to do 30 minutes. And I was like, yeah, Of course yeah so we four comics get inside of like a toyota Tacoma single cab, like the person in the back is like slammed into the back and we drive out to Oakhurst, California,
1: one year in doing a half hour for a charity, yeah I couldn't oh no,
2: yeah, it's all bad, and we show up and i'm show- I'm wearing a hoodie and jeans and just yeah you know just hanging out clothes. and it's a black tie event everybody is dressed to the nines mm-hmm. and here's the thing I don't know who set the, the event up I don't know exactly what the deal was who was getting paid what or exactly what the negotiations were <laughs> I'll tell you one thing they were not expecting comics to be there they sat us at a kids table <laughs> like so you have everybody dressed in suit and tie
1: even the kids even the kids. Which, by by the way, gutsy move, bringing them to Oakhurst for this charity. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. It's a gutsy move, the belly of the beast.
2: Yeah, and they sit us at a kid's table. And I mean, like, the table isn't big enough for adults <laughs> to sit on because it's the only table that wasn't purchased.
1: Again, not to beat a dead horse, but they sit the guys who look like the last guys you want at your kid's table at the kid's table. At the table. kid's table. Uh-huh.
2: And they sit us down. We stick out like a sore thumb because we're not dressed. Yep, we're sitting at a kids' table. It's we look ridiculous. <laughs> I still feel. I still get like a lot, a lot of secondary shame just thinking about it. Mm-hmm. Um, everybody there was wealthy. Every single one of these tickets were, I think, a buck oh nine per ticket to, to to sit at a table. And then they sell. The, they sold the whole table. So for.
1: Because that's the other thing that that's implied in a charity. You're going to pay too much for shitty food and mediocre entertainment, yep. most likely.
2: And we were the mediocre entertainment. Yep. And so the night goes on, and we probably get there at about 4 o'clock. The event starts. It goes from 4 o'clock to 5 o'clock to 6 o'clock to 7. Before you know it, everybody's dispersed. Half the people have left. And we still hadn't done comedy. Mm-hmm. And it's one of those resorts where it's like what you would call glamping. Like if you wanted to, if you wanted to live, if you wanted to rough it out, but be in like the lap of luxury, like this is the place sleep so under the stars on carpeting. Exactly. Yeah. There's fire pits everywhere, but they're like gas fire pits <laughs> that are like controlled from indoors. Yeah. And we're all hanging out. We're around this fire pit and the event coordinator walks by us. <laughs> And one of the comics was like, "Hey, when do you want us to do comedy?" And she's like, "Oh, um, right now." <laughs> and so
0: <laughs>
1: we're sitting around a fire pit. You're sitting at a well. Let's let to frame it. You're sitting at a campfire.
2: At a campfire, yeah. We're sitting at a campfire. He <laughs> put a
1: flashlight to your face, and then. <laughs> like snick
2: at night yeah (laughs) was it are you afraid of the dark dark? are you afraid of the dark great show yeah that it's slept on like nobody talks about that as much as as much as the comics that were born in the 90s i know reflect on shit like that underrated creepy it's never talked about
1: underrated creepy
2: uh so we're at this campfire we're told to do comedy now and we're like okay where's a stage Well, where are you standing? Like it's right here. Like let's just do it right here. And so they paid for comedy, forgot about the comedy, had these weirdos show up, sat them at a kids table, and they're like, yeah, yeah. And so she comes over to to the fireplace where the comics are, and maybe five or six other people who are dressed to the nines, but they've kind of let their hair down a little bit. It's the end of the night, they've loo- they've loosened up a little bit. But at
1: no time has anyone else asked you why you're here? Nobody. Okay.
2: Nobody's asked, why. Are, what are you doing here? I, I think they thought we were just like hired help. Yeah. Or maybe that we had cancer <laughs> and they were actually <laughs> trying to help us. Yeah. Um. Because, I mean, none of us looked like we were starving or anything, but I don't know. Nobody questioned why we were there. And so the lady says, yeah, just start doing comedy now. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, I didn't ask, but one of the other comics was like, okay, do you, like, what order? How much time? And she's like, you guys figure that out. And so we just kind of huddle up, and we're, and we're like, okay, I'll go first. Um, I'll go second. You know, we kind of divvy it up, and I'm going
1: first. Were there any seasoned comics in the group? Anyone more than, not Nobody. even seasoned, anyone more than three years? Nobody. Okay.
2: Not a single one. Um, We all had started at the same time, so roughly the same time so if i would be surprised if any of us had more than 15 months of comedy under their belt Mm -hmm. and looking thinking back on it now and knowing the comics that were with me like none of us did
1: so the headliner was whoever owned the tacoma basically yeah it's
2: (laughs) yeah whoever whoever drove us out for free got the, the most time
1: the feature gave paid for gas yeah
2: and so we're huddled around and like the lady makes an announcement to the four people that are sitting around the fireplace. And she's like, we're going to do comedy. <laughs> and so we did. And so she's like, oh, we have <laughs> comics here. And, uh, you know, just in case you were wondering who these people were like, yeah, come on, lady. Yeah, it's like, been six hours. <laughs> <laughs> we've been here since four o'clock and it's literally like at least when they 30. thought we had
1: cancer. They kind of felt sorry. <laughs> yeah. Like They kind of wanted us around. now. They definitely don't want us here.
2: And I'm supposed to do thir- 30 minutes. Like this is I'm like the opening b- you're doing with 30 comedy minutes. Jesus Christ. There's three of us. There's there's three to four of us. And right as I'm about to, I, I want to say go up. There is no go up. Get right up. as I'm about to start talking, Stand wherever up. it is I'm standing, um, the lady whispers in my ears, oh, yeah, you can't cuss. And for somebody who's been doing comedy for only 30 Thirteen months, you know what you don't want to hear? Do thirty minutes at this fireplace at this campfire, oh yeah and and, and don't cuss right, so I took my
1: at a year, you don't have thirty minutes I don't, no, don't have ten minutes, no matter what you say
2: I don't have ten minutes <laughs> like I don't think I have a good ten minutes, let alone a good clean ten minutes and there's
1: only four people to ask what they do for a living
2: <laughs> yeah, and so I stand up and I, I i i start out with like an Oakhurst curse joke that i i thought would be funny and it wasn't
1: <laughs> that i thought would be funny narrator yeah. it wasn't by the way good strategy yeah. <laughs> i start out with a no curse joke that i thought would be funny <laughs> it's like, everybody hated it bold strategy
2: um but the only thing i remember about that whole set i didn't do 30 minutes um because i could have done three minutes and they would have been okay with it because they didn't really want to watch comedy Mm -mm. they didn't want to listen to me they were literally talking like you and i right now it's like if somebody just walked in and just did stand-up comedy right now (laughs) no
1: but at least there's microphones in the room You you probably didn't have any did you
2: no we didn't have a microphone. We didn't have a stage.
1: Don't you wish you had a picture of the faces when the event coordinator said, okay, we're going to have some comedy now.
2: Yeah, the four people that were left.
1: Just whatever their face looked like.
2: And they were talking amongst each other. Like It's like we're having a good time. We don't need comedy. We didn't sign up for comedy. I didn't pay $109 for chicken breast and comedy. I just want to hang out, be rich amongst my rich friends, Mm -hmm. and talk about whatever rich people talk about. And I go up. I do... I do 10 minutes, maybe. And the only thing I remember about this 10 minutes is the four people that were actually there got up and walked away.
1: (laughs) You walked the room.
2: Walked away. They got up and they just walked away. And I'm literally doing comedy (laughs) to to nobody, to nobody. Nobody's there anymore. Oh, because your friends
1: left so that they could be off stage. Yeah, (laughs) like it's
2: just me at this fireplace (laughs) in the event coordinator looking at me with shame. Oh,
1: my God. And
2: then I just, I remember just letting out like a fuck. And then- And she said, hey, mister. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, hey, watch your mouth. (laughs) But at that point, there was nobody left. (laughs) Right. Like it was me telling jokes to fire
1: (laughs) these donors are thinking how could they have possibly shown us anything sadder than the thing we're donating to (laughs) (laughs) they should have brought some kids with cancer to be like geez i don't know if this is the end but (laughs) god damn it could be that guy (laughs) yeah
2: and so (laughs) i'm standing there and i'm looking around like am i supposed to keep talking like there's literally nobody here and the lady does that hand motion of, like,
1: keep going. <laughs> Stretch. <laughs> Stretch. <laughs> Stretch it out.
2: And so I literally do two, 10 minutes, <laughs> four of which nobody was there for, <laughs> except for an event coordinator. Yeah. And I'm talking to fire.
1: Oh, my God. this you're is sp- You're spitting fire.
2: And people had to go up after me. So I do my 10 minutes. I get off in the other comics eventually. I, I think people came back. And actually, one of them did really well with the four people that came back. But it's <laughs> like, this is the kind of stuff. Like, you know who doesn't want comedy? Yeah. American Cancer Society. <laughs> like, you know what's not a good venue for comedy? Campfires. Like, <laughs>
1: <laughs> By the way, I know this. When you came off stage with the, the, the guy who did well for the four people, totally could have done without that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Totally didn't need that. Because nope. you know... Because you know, the the other three of you were on the ride home being like, that fucking sucked. And and him just being an asshole is like, they were
2: a good crowd. Right? Yeah, you just yeah. had to No, connect that's to exactly them. what happened.
1: Exactly right.
2: Oh, no they, no, they were fine. They were good. No, it was good. It was a good time. And it's like, no, it wasn't. No, a good it wasn't. Time. It was a good time for you because people actually came back and watched
1: you. You got lucky.
2: And it sucked for everybody else. Right. I do that all the time. Like, I, I try to justify, like, if I do well, nobody else does well. I'm just like, It was good. Everybody Mm -hmm. did good. Like, make them feel good about how well they did not do so I could feel, so we could talk about how well I did. Or
1: just be like, yeah, they were shitheads. That crowd crowd was tough tonight. Jeez, but that's like running. But it's it's tough to take, it's tough to look at a bunch of people who donated to the American Cancer Society and be like, fuck this crowd.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, because we were the assholes. I mean, we're always the assholes, no matter what room we're in.
1: My first charity event I ever did, same thing. I'm eight nine months into comedy and it's 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 maybe five of us three three are professional comics what was that for it was for it was for i i think it's called the fairy godmother association is that right in town (laughs) i've never heard of that it's an organization that used to at least what they used to do i think they repurposed the organ i don't know what's going on if it's the organization i'm thinking of if it's the i I know this is what they did i don't know if fairy godmother was what it was i know what they did was they took a couple who was about to get married who was was like disadvantaged either financially or like medically or, or, or for some cause
2: had some kind of hardship
1: and they would cover all the costs of a of like their dream wedding nice really cool idea right i'm not ready to do this we, no eight Nobody's months ready to do that. eight months in where was it at it was at the Nile
0: oh
1: it was at the Nile theater which we've <laughs> talked about I believe right which we talked about I believe in episode three a 600 seat venue that typically only had about 12 people in it it's got about it's got about a 70 foot ceiling it's it's the theater it's, it's 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 literally an old movie theater and go-go dancing place that we used. And the stage is, you know, 10 feet in the air, whatever it is. Well, this night it was pretty full. Dinner party. So they were there, same thing. They're there for two hours. The comedy show starts thereafter. I'm going up first because I'm eight months into comedy. You got to dress nice. They told us to dress nice, so I'm wearing a a goofy button-up shirt, much like I am right now. I
2: think I do remember this vaguely.
1: Yeah, we may have met up after this.
2: Yeah, I think either I went to that show...
1: I was irrelevant
2: psyched. but yeah i remember i remember this general concept of a show
1: i i try to be as charitable as i can so i'm psyched about doing the show uh, it's at the nile so there's a green room i feel good about that we're working with professional be with at, uh, at least a professional comic and two kind of on the fringe of being professionals la comics which at LA. that point i thought meant a lot differently than it does so I'm like, hey, maybe this is, you know, this is maybe this is where they hear my comedy, and someone takes me on the road, man.
2: That's such like a, a new person, hopeful thing, dream, yeah. yeah. So I'm
1: showing up, and I'm like, ah, oh, this is cool. First, when I show up, I get a little sketchy because I show up and I get paid.
2: Oh, right off the back, they just give you your money.
1: Yep, get fifty bucks, which is great if you're not doing a charity. So I feel like a piece of shit as soon as I, <laughs> I oh, get, give. <laughs> as soon as I get the money, I, I, I feel like a bum. Right off the jump.
2: Yeah, because they're, they're not trying to spend money and here you are. Right? Like the charity, that should be promoters giving you money, not charities. Right.
1: Language restrictions, of course. Mm-hmm. Second step, lights on, all the way on, which I had never seen at the Nile before, and, and room full, packed, everybody dressed in formal attire, stuffy, very stuffy. And they do like some heartfelt things, of course, before they bring on the comedy show and... I think, like, family members get up and speak, and they give the couple the microphone, they're like, we just want to thank you, and, you
0: know. Oh,
2: man. Bring me up. Yeah, of course. is fitting after that. Why wouldn't you want to do comedy after that?
1: And this isn't the crowd's fault. No, they're stuffy, because charity crowds are typically stuffy, and they don't want to listen.
2: No. Because it's rich people.
1: It's rich people who just paid $150 for, you know, some like a <laughs> tri-tip, something.
2: A cra- all you can eat crab fest. <laughs> yeah.
1: So I get up, and my eight-month comic brain goes, "Okay, this is a charity for to pay for this couple's wedding. The couple's there in the back. This whole night's been about the couple. I know how I'll start my set. I'll tell some jokes toward the couple." why not why not tell some jokes about their beautiful budding marriage which is
2: oh geez i can already
1: i don't remember what i said but i just remember the room i didn't say anything bad but just talking to them in general being an eight month comic the room is done because unless you've got the all-time hail mary great joke if you're doing a charity for a specific heartfelt cause the last thing you want to talk about is that cause. It would be like if you got up at the American Cancer Society and told
2: five cancer jokes.
1: Five cancer jokes. <laughs> back to back. So I, that's what I thought is they didn't they didn't get the joke the first time. Maybe I should just do another one and make it a little sweeter. See,
2: isn't that, like I always say that that's such a bad habit that a lot of comics have is that didn't work. You know what I should do? more of that lean
1: further into it yeah
2: and it takes a while to learn that right
1: it sure does and so i ate shit and the other people that i was with all have been doing it 10 or 15 years so they knew exactly how to do a charity event they got up and did their shallowest easiest to listen cheapest quickest stuff and the crowd just ate it up. So then we go back to the green room, and there's five of us in the green room and four people staring at the asshole in the room who had no idea how to do it. So <laughs> I just look like the most unfunny person. And they're just looking at me going, Bakersfield. <laughs> did, did
2: you feel defeated? Yeah, of course. Uh, yeah. I I, th- I don't know if we talked about this on your podcast. I, how def- I
1: feel defeated when I do pretty decent.
2: Like when you first started, I felt like – like, this guy could go either way. Mm-hmm. Like I felt like one bad night could throw you, could just yep. derail you from doing comedy.
1: I'm a heavy critic of me, and I've I've stopped sharing that with people because people people get that perception of like, oh, he's about to be done. He's yeah, because he's about to quit.
2: The first few months when I met you, um, you had uh, you had one bad set that you talked about for like a month. Yep. At the Aviator Aviator. Casino. casino. Aviator Casino. And I remember you either called me or texted me the next day. And there was another comic who had the exact same outcome at that casino, Trevor (laughs) Dustin, who I think even went with you to that show and didn't give you a heads up. Or maybe he did. I don't know. No, did not. But I'm sure he kind of threw it on you like, nah, it's, you know, ah, (laughs) get him next
1: time. On the ride home, I was like, man what happened and he's like well you kind of you kind of took your time, time between bits too much he didn't tell me that i was that's what you normally get there yeah exactly right he <laughs> didn't tell me i'll tell you and and the comic after me was a dj co- comedian and got up and crushed because he did he was he was filipino and and the entire room was either filipino or hispanic
2: Oh yeah, that's, that's that area. And he
1: started a set by, "Where's all my Filipinos at?" And they're like, bah! "Where are my Mexicans at?" And they're like, "See si! <laughs> whatever the fuck <laughs> they said." And he picked out a he did crowd work and picked out a guy in the crowd named Jesus. I'll never forget that. And he he did this DJ bit where it was Jesus, and then he did the song Jesus has jesus has and in a robotic voice it was going jesus has a small dick jesus has a small dick uh, uh, and the crowd i mean it. was dying dying but i didn't i didn't look at that and go of course they laughed at that i looked at that juxtaposed to how badly it went for, and it was it was set up to fail everything was the booker the booker of dome rocked me beforehand he's like uh what are your credits and i said you could just say whatever and he goes wait a minute you You've have, never done it. You don't, you don't have big credits? And I, he's like, how long have you been doing this? I said, two years. And it was a lie. I'd been doing it like six months. <laughs> and he goes, oh, my God. He's like, oh, my God. Oh, my God. Nobody told me Nobody told me you were that fresh. I can't give you 10 minutes. I can't give you 10 minutes. I'll give you five, and if that's going well, you can do more. But if it's not, I'm just going to light you really. So I'm like, I'm fucking, you know. You're,
2: sh- you're shitting your pants. Yeah. Uh,
1: and by the way, he went up and fucking... Just like he had the same thing I had because he he's, he's like I know who that is. Yeah, like, of course he's gonna die. He went me. up and did like how many people are married, but they he didn't ask how many people are married in Filipino. So nobody was like everyone just kind of said nothing, and then it went into me. But I didn't have the hindsight to go like ah he just died. If I just die, that's just the night. I go up and I'm trying to do my my long witty you know subtlety joke shit because it's the only five ten minutes I had at that point. Yeah, that's all I had. <laughs> and I get up, and the stage is eight months, eight, eight months, eight inches elevated, maybe. And I get up, and the ceiling is really low. And so if I reach my hand up, I can touch the ceiling. And also there's a speaker above my head because this is in a casino where there's a little side section, just a little romper room, and then the casino is to the left of you. So there's people gambling away their kids' community college fund to the left.
2: Yep, losing it all.
1: And then there's- We're all losing it all. Yeah, we're all losing it yep, all. everybody. And so they don't want to hear the comedy show. There's comedy show that doesn't want to hear- So it's just two groups making each other angry.
2: And you, you know where comedy probably shouldn't be going on? In a casino. In a casino, in the middle of I can't believe I didn't playing. bring this
1: up when you talked about your Fresno casino.
2: Yeah, but I mean, that was a little bit different because at least I was in a side room yeah. where it was more lobby- Than anything else, because people can actually hang out there and actually, if they wanted to watch comedy, watch it. Mm -hmm. But the Aviator Casino was like, you you can read people's cards from where you're sitting on stage.
1: Exactly right. And so to entertain the casino people, they're playing music on, and there's no divider. They're playing music there that you can kind of hear if you're in the audience. But what I found out when I got to the stage. Is that the speaker is right above my head, so I can hear as I'm trying to talk, and I and I and I look up and I go, "Hey, can someone turn that down?" And everyone's looking at me. Like, they already no. they already can't understand. The, it's the crowd for whatever reason on this night was a, a more older trending crowd, and again, this is a mostly mostly an elderly Filipino crowd, and. and not like, it's
2: like a retiree crowd, like the people yeah. who gamble after they retire.
1: And Delano, if I'm not mistaken, heavy migrant community, like migrant work and like like field work and stuff yeah, like that. Field
2: work, a lot of, and there's a lot of there's a big uh, Filipino and Mong community. So
1: big there. time language barrier yep. is, is basically what I'm getting at. So I get up and they already don't really connect with what I'm saying. And I get up and I say, hey, can someone turn that down? They don't hear the music, only I hear it. And I say, hey, can you guys hear the music? You guys can't hear that, and they just kind oh, of- Oh, it's just me. They look at me with blank faces, and I kind of laugh, and I go to start. I'm like, all right, well, I guess I'll just plow into it. I go to start the bit, and as I start it, I see a light from the end of the room.
2: <laughs> he fucking lit me. Are you like two minutes in? Not even probably Not two even. minutes. Not even. He was even. just being a jerk. Just, just, just being, being a jerk. Just
1: being, just being that guy.
2: Yeah, and the Aviator Casino- th-
1: Those guys are everywhere- but it was the first time I ran into that yeah, guy. Yeah, it's the first time the way, that
2: you've actually done work with that person.
1: This particular guy, when I meet him, he's friendly, he's nice, I get along with him. But some point in every conversation, something like this happens. And that guy's everywhere in comedy. Because comedy, there is a weird thing about that. There's there's a lot of weirdness in this. So it was my first time dealing with that. And I just, just died.
2: The best way to describe that room that probably people who are listening are going to probably, they can, they can relate to... Mm. Imagine doing comedy at a Buffalo Wild Wings. <laughs> yeah. Just a big open square room with no walls. Right. Not Like, if you've been in a B- Buffalo Wild Wings, there's no walls. There's no dividers. It's just this huge square <laughs> and people enjoying Buffalo Wings and football. But instead of enjoying that, they're gambling their kids' college fund away. Right and you're trying to tell them about your deep and they, <laughs> inner yeah, secrets and instead of- yeah
1: and instead of and, and while the game's going on on the side by the dartboard there's a couple tables that we set up a microphone in front of and do comedy
2: it's it's just not the place for it but i remember thinking early on when you started like man this guy can go either way
1: right because and i'm very self critical like that and for Two reasons I've I've stopped sharing it. One is because I give people that impression of like I'm about to quit, and two because I realize you got to own that on your own. You can't offload. Like when I come off, you might say, "Hey, good set, man." When you say that, now I just say, "Thanks, I appreciate it." What I want to say is, it wasn't a good set. I stepped on this punchline and I fucked up this part. And god damn it, I wanted I wanted to hit. I forgot this tag. But you gotta you can you I can't, have to internalize it's that. not fair for me to dump that off of my head onto you and now I feel a little bit better about it and you just gotta do this weird consoling me thing
2: I, I know exactly what you mean i that happened to me recently where I did okay in a set but it was like I messed everything up and then you get off stage and then people are like oh good good you know you did because you, you did do a good job you just didn't do the job you wanted to do yep and you're right, Like you don't dump that onto somebody no. else. You don't say, oh, I messed this up, I, I did this. I did. You just internalize that and just kind of go about the rest of your way. <laughs> I, the rest of your night, I should say. Um, but the one thing I think, and one of the reasons why when when you were starting that I was probably a little bit more invested in keeping you around and hoping you stood around mm. was... When I first met you, it was at Rocket Shop. Okay. And I Ooh, was I showing up to, to to a Thursday mic and I think I just did my, my bit and I left. Uh but you were one of the newer faces that I hadn't seen and like I'd never met you. And I went to Martinis and you were there as well. And I was like, Okay, this guy's actually showing up to stuff.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Um but the one thing that stood out to me at Martinis was you were wearing your little Chevron shirt. Really? And you can tell that you just were absolutely uncomfortable being that person yep right like wearing the suit and tie doing the chevron thing wearing that um the not turtleneck i don't know the the polo the polo and there's something about like your uncomfortableness inside of that that i was like this dude
0: gets (laughs) (laughs)
1: like i was like
2: I can relate to that. Yeah. Um,
1: so it was a day that I had come from work, but because I literally had to come from... it. Was, some people come from work because they want you to see them in their fancy shirt. Today we're dressed like we came from work because we had no... If I had any time to take this off before you got here, it'd be off.
2: Yeah, and I, I kind of wanted to corner you and be like, no, I don't get a change, you don't right. get a change.
1: Yeah, <laughs> um, and so we connect we connect on the line of we spent our whole lives working towards a success that we didn't want
2: and but not only that like i was like this this person's an adult yeah right like this person has responsibility i mean i didn't know if you had kids or like anything about you really but i could there was like this look of defeat in your eyes <laughs> that i'm like i relate to that like yeah. i need somebody around that actually understands balancing this and everything else. Because at the time, a lot of the scene was 20, 21. Uh, and the, the very few comics that were over the age of like, let's say 26 were comics. I didn't necessarily, I don't want to say relate to, Mm -hmm. but I don't know if it wasn't for comedy. Like, would I be going to their barbecues type thing? Um, and when you came around, I was like, all right, I I, I like this guy. I can see he's uncomfortable. <laughs> and the first thing you ever told me, I feel like, it, we're, <laughs> like we're dating and I'm telling this <laughs> we
1: story. Are, we're, um, we are. We're married.
2: I I know you had seen me at Rocket Shop and I had noticed you and then I, I came to Martini's. <laughs> and you were sitting by yourself looking at your notes. And like I go and I take a seat and I'm semi-close to you. And you're like, hey. And I'm like, yeah next week guarantee it's gonna be karaoke night (laughs) 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 and so i just (laughs) i just told bruce that and so i was like all right like this dude i like this guy and like i was just like for one you're an adult right like there's there's A layer of, like, relatability I need, like, with the group to be like, I'm not some old man doing this. Yeah. And also trying to balance life, trying to balance. And so I was like, okay, I can do things with this person because they understand some of the bumps in the road and hindrances. And also I could just tell that your approach is just so different than everybody else's like you had your everybody has their notes right but i could tell i I feel like this is weird this just turned into my podcast (laughs) (laughs) Uh, and and it's something i've told you probably a million times before but it was like i think the frustration that i felt you had early on was that and i know i've told you this before was that it's comedy is one of those things that you can do everything right and still get a terrible result. Yep. Unlike going to the gym, unlike going to law school, unlike all these things where if you just work hard enough, it's yep. eventually going to pay off.
1: And if you're a control freak, that's maddening.
2: And that I could tell right off the back that that is going to be the thing that either makes or break this per makes you, right? Yep. Like I was like, they have to really learn to harness that and kind of come to grips with the fact that in you know that success looks like failure in comedy mm-hmm. that's something that we had talked about and it's like it's and i think early on it was like I, that was a difficult part for you was yeah. like man like you were doing everything right you were writing your sets you were doing everything word for word and putting in your hey it's how's like, everybody doing it's and like, like being a
1: quarterback for the giants you can throw the perfect ball but it's going to be 45 mile an hour wins
2: yep and there's nothing you can do about mm-hmm. it, right? And so I remember just thinking like, all right, this this person, if they just stick with it enough, right? And then like lo and behold, man, like now you're like the leader oh, here of we the, are. the leader of the little local uh local comedy scene. So <laughs> Yeah. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Should have chased me the fuck out when you had a chance. I know.
2: Joe. Man, if they would have just made it karaoke d- the I next d- week, d- we would I have been d- fine.
1: I do want to go back to a couple of things just so people know what an OG you were. And then I have a question for you. Number one, I remember that night at Rocket Shop because it was the opening night at Rocket Shop and you went up dead first and you went up and you must have been four or five years into comedy at this point. Yeah,
2: I'm probably where you are now.
1: Where I am right now. And you now at this point, I'm five months into comedy and you went up and did what what to me and is certainly to the guys, certainly to the guys might as well have been magic on stage because you you went, up, you went up and you talked about what happened in the room. And when you say you did your one joke and went off, you literally did one joke and went off because you did like three and a half to four minutes of this is a new mic. So what's going on in the room? Who's all in the room? What can I talk about in the room? And it just flowed that way. And until that point, you know, once you've been around and at it for a while, that's it's. You do that, like as, you can do that now. You probably kicked yourself on the ride home from that because you're like, "Fuck! I had a bit I wanted to work on and didn't get and it. Didn't get to do it." But we're like, "Holy shit!" He said shit he wasn't planning to say on his way over here. What the fuck was that? I remember you got up and you talked about, you talked about it being in an airplane hangar, but somehow it's a NASCAR place, which is which always makes a crowd laugh. You talked about all the pipes on the ceiling. I think you said it looked like a screensaver in there, or maybe I'm just projecting that on you. It,
2: I recall something like
1: that, yeah, all the because there's pipes on the uh, to the ceiling, and just and then the, like there were a couple of cup you asked about a couple in the room, and it looked like one guy was with like two or three ladies, and he's a return customer now, so like there was all this there was all this funny stuff that nobody else was around long enough to do anything like that, and any other people who were weren't dedicating themselves to the craft <laughs> enough to do it, so everyone was just kind of like, whoa. Well, you're
2: so in your notebook when you're, when you're first starting. Like, if it's not in your notebook, you're not going to do it. Fuck you're not no. prepared for it. It's just, and I was probably at the time, I mean, now everybody can do it, right? Now you walk into that room and, like, that set I did that night literally is just a set in right. the night. Like, there's nothing magical about what I did. There's nothing magical about it now. Right. It's just everybody else has gotten better. Everybody understands comedy more. There's like a depth and breadth of understanding of what comedy is that just wasn't
1: right there at the time. Right. There's a baseline now that wasn't that wasn't there then because no one knew. I always tell the young comics now, even if even if I catch myself riding somebody too much or if I like I'm being like too over the top, I'll say to them, "Look, I I will I will admit I had the benefit of coming up in this town when there was no one to tell me otherwise. There was no one around to call me on my bullshit because all of us were six months in. Yeah. <clears throat> so that re- so anytime someone tried to call me out, I could go just like, oh, fuck you." You don't. Yeah. Know what any- do you know? You don't know anything either. You're
2: literally the same. Mm-hmm. I've been doing this three days longer than you. Uh,
1: the second thing is you mentioned like what like I want to see this guy stick around. It, the first thing that made me like one of those external things that made me realize I'm onto something because you as a person when it comes to comedy you don't bullshit people. You might not tell them directly if they're bad, but you're certainly not going to tell them that they're good and and
2: yeah, I don't like leading people. <laughs> I just because I don't I I try to give all criticism constructively.
1: And you and Bruce who's texting me literally just texted me right now. You and Bruce Grey have this Uh, where you have a disdain in your body for bad comedy. Like, it hurts you when comedy is bad.
2: I, I, I have a disdain for people, I feel, or comics, I feel, are not giving... Not up there for the right reasons. Yeah. Right? So, like, we might have talked about this on another podcast, but, like, you know, if... If it were a new uh, music open mic, they were going to be showing up to the music open mic. If it were something else, they'd be doing that. Like it's just—it was just a look at me. Yeah, it's a look at me thing, and so I'm always very um, uh, leery of people who like, oh, I used to be a musician, and then I'm an actor, and then I'm this, and then it's like five layers of, of right. bullshit down. You're a stand-up comic. I just the love i have for stand-up comedy is strictly as a stand-up comic i love stand-up comedy right um i love anybody who loves stand-up comedy i love anybody who's trying to make it work in stand-up um but i think there's a genuineness that you have to have in order for me to actually be like okay that person gets it and i know i I shouldn't be like that because i have really no right to be right (laughs) um but I just feel like you can tell. It's like talking sports with somebody who doesn't know sports. I and quit so
1: if you don't if you don't know and you're talking like you know, I just go, "Oh yeah," and quit.
2: That's exactly how I feel about stand up where it's like I can feel if you actually love doing this. Right. I feel like if I can tell if this is just you're passing through, I can tell if if you're not going to be around long, right. if you're just not going to get through the bumps. And if you tell me that you used to do this, you used to do this, and and now you want to try and stand up comedy, comedy, like I just feel like even at your best, it's not gonna, you're not gonna look within yourself enough right. to actually be like, okay, I actually want more than just to be standing in the middle of a room with all these people looking right. at me, and I I actually just want attention, like that. I always just feel like. I don't want to say people are in it for the wrong reasons because there is no right reason to be into <laughs> it. Um, but I relate more with people who actually love doing this, right? right? Like I, I have uh, admittedly taking, taken sabbaticals and everything. But here's the thing: is like every single time I step away, it absolutely kills me. Yeah, it is. The one thing in my life where I find balance, and it's the one thing where, it's the only time I feel like this is what I'm. This makes sense to me. Everything right. else, I'm like faking being this person. I'm. <laughs> uh It's a version of the truth, and that, and me doing comedies where, okay, this is what I'm. This is what I'm supposed to be doing, whether I'm ever become famous or not. Like that, I'm not even worried about that. Right, yeah. like I just want to be a good stand-up comic. I want people to leave a show and be like. That dude was good. I'm going to repeat some of his material at work or I'm going to integrate something that he did into my day-to-day life. And that to me is success. It's not, I don't give a shit if I ever get a Netflix special. Would it be great? Sure. Mm -hmm. Do I care? No, not necessarily. I want to be happy with the kind of comedy I'm doing and see where that takes me.
1: And so knowing that you're a purist and at this time, I'm maybe a year and a, a year a year and a half into comedy which so much at that point at least back then we were doing you're doing comedy to people who are not listening to you don't care and certainly not laughing unless you say fart or penis basically and our a group tends to suffer fools so like a lot of comics one of the things I've learned is is it's a special breed of comics to be insightful about comedy. And so a lot of times you're just as good as how well you did. So if you tell twenty if you tell twenty cheap fart jokes and the crowd really laughs, you go off stage and someone goes, Yo, you killed. You're awesome Not so much to me. Yeah. So I've for a year and a half to two years I was Telling these stories and talking about myself. And sometimes it would go well, and it would go well for a room of 30 people and eat dog shit for a room of 80 people. And it would go well at the Irish Heritage Club, which is a 12 by 12 room. And at the Nile, I would eat dog shit. And at the bars, I'd eat dog shit. And for hecklers, I'd eat dog shit. And no one's listening and no one cares and no one gets. Even when they laugh, they're not getting really why I want them to laugh. And so you're just floundering. I'm like, fuck, man the aviator and i'm like god maybe i should be asking how many filipinos are in how many syrians are in this room like maybe i should be doing that and then there was one point i i I don't know if i'd come off stage or we were just talking or whatever it is you say you said to me there's there are topics that come up or there are themes or, or like or hot button issues that come up and i and you said to me i i think about that and i go I wonder what Flail has to say about this. I'd, I'd be interested to hear his angle on it because I know it's going to be different than I might think it would be. And it was just that little thing that's like, okay. So the people who listen Get are, it. are listening, and maybe I, maybe it's maybe there's something. I'm so if I'm like, he's a purist, and he knows how to make all these rooms work, and he's been around a while. So if he's interested to hear it then there's got to be some then then fuck the people at the bar much more so cuz there's got to be something
2: yeah because there. you'd rather when i watch somebody if i watch somebody new if yep. i watch somebody that's been here 1 1 year if i watch somebody who's been doing it 30 years right are they eating dog shit on stage doesn't to me mean you're failing right, right? it to me it means if you're if you're eating dog shit because you're unprepared because you thought you were just going to kill it doing this low hanging fruit and it's just not the room for it if all the environmental factor environmental factors get you right i can see through that like i think i i think there's just certain comedy that's not made for certain rooms and but if you're gonna eat dog shit and you're gonna bomb your ass off but you're gonna bomb your ass off sticking to your laurels and sticking to your guns and doing the stuff that you love being insightful uh digging deep inside of yourself and not everything has to be like this really long drawn out yeah this is how i feel but like there's little things that you can just drop inside of jokes that let me know and let everybody else know this is how you feel right this is a fear you have this is something like that right And to me, if you're going to eat dog shit doing that, I would rather eat dog shit doing that than make everybody laugh doing a dick joke. Yeah. Because there's no substance to it. And if you just keep digging at the right hole... (laughs) (laughs) Koisenberg, all right. Um, If you just... I just feel like... Like there's you're gonna you're gonna hit gold at some point right. you know you're you're doing the right thing and that's how I feel some of the the comics that are around now it's like you don't always it, it, you can't you have to get past that you don't have to kill every single time yep you have to ask yourself to me, I ask myself, did I do something I liked did I try something new um is there something I can salvage from this and as long as I can say yes to those things, I'm fine with not being, getting the best laughs in the room right. because most often than not, the biggest laughs are coming at are the, they, they don't cost anything. They're right. cheap. They're, you know, they're there's not a lot of substance to them and, and that's fine. You can do joke, 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 and you can be successful. You can have a Netflix special. It's not the kind of stuff I'm going to do. I'm never going to go down that route um, other than to use it as a tool. But When you started doing stand-up, it's like you get to this point where you get a feel, especially watching somebody a ton of times, uh, a few of the comics have this now, where you're like, I want to hear what they're going to write about this, what they're going to say about this. Right. And that is, you're absolutely right, where that's the makings of, I want to listen. Like, people want to listen to that. Right. And- That is so much... I value that so much more. Yeah, because funny
1: is super hard. It's not easy, but it's less hard than interesting. Yeah. And certainly way less hard than funny interesting, which is my favorite thing, too.
2: Yeah. I, I just think there's so many different styles of comedy. Um, the kind I appreciate, the kind I like, the kind I feel has the most staying power. Right, I feel like doing joke, joke, joke is like the running quarterback of the NFL. Like it'll win you some games, but you're not gonna go to the Super Bowl. <laughs> like, uh, like the tried and true thinking man's game. Like I think that is how you have longevity. Yeah. Like that's how you get better because you can do joke, joke, joke your whole life, and you could do you. You're always gonna be that comic and. Yes, you can be successful. And yes, there's people making shit tons of money doing that. Right. Um but if if I go to bed at night doing joke joke joke, I'm no longer doing what I want to do. Like that's not why I got into That's this. just not for you. Yeah, yeah. and I didn't I realize I didn't realize until probably 2 years in what kind of comedy I want to do. Right. And it was joke 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 until I got tired of doing that. And it takes such a long time to actually understand like you know that find your voice shit like i think that's stupid um but i think you have to figure out what kind of comedy you're built to do and you know record whatever it takes to actually be like okay i can't i can't do joke 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 right i can write joke 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 um and i can pass it on to but somebody else it just but has no place in your act yeah it has no place in what i do and I don't know. Like I, I just feel like learning what kind of comic you are, what kind of person you are in a lot of ways helps your, your
0: act.
1: Speaking of the thinking man, uh, my last episode that I did with Bruce, we talked about martinis and we, we hashed over exactly what kind of what insane kind of place asylum that, was. Yeah. that place was. I never asked you, and I, I, I was always curious, speaking of the thinking man, you came out to a couple of Martini shows but you never went up and that's so contrary you're always a go up guy. What was it about Martini's? Did you go did you ever go up? Yeah, I went up at Martini's. Oh, did you go up? So
2: when on Bruce's podcast he talked about how there was a radio station that was doing comedy there, mm. I was part of that radio station. <laughs> so at this point you already knew everything I already that was knew happen. everything that was going to happen <laughs> in there because I was part of that first, I was at the time, working with the radio group. And at that time, that radio gr- group was doing a lot of stand-up comedy because I was like, hey, you know what's cheap and I, we can do? Stand-up comedy. And I and, knew right away that that just wasn't...
1: By the way, you're such a gamer that anything short of the threat of death would not there was nothing that would keep you from the stage no so the fact that you didn't go up (laughs) should have been a red flag to all of us that you could die in this building
2: um i think a large part of that and something i probably wouldn't admit so readily is that i had been doing it for a while and i think the group's perspective of me was that like i'm this really great comic Mm and i knew in that room i couldn't be a really great comic that's a, and so i couldn't be what the group needed me to be yeah. in that room if that makes sense that makes um, that makes so much sense like if if people come to me and they're like hey what do you think about this or like whatever right like you lose all that respect when you see me bomb my ass off mm-hmm. and after a while they can de- like you know everybody's seen it now yep. but when people need something from you, you can't let them see you slip. Yeah. Um, it's kind of like, like being a parent, right? Like, if you have a tough time, you need to have a tough time in your room by yourself because your kids can't see that. Right. And I, I'm just calling you guys kids. That's not what I'm doing. Um, what not, I'm saying is you got to hide that because but the, but the, they need you to be strong.
1: Well, the kids you're specifically talking about were kids, that they sounds were, so condescending. No, no, no. They like were it. 20 and like 21 at the time. So they, they were kids. I mean, and they, it, yeah, I, I totally get that.
2: And so you can't, it serves everybody better that they don't see the person or people
1: Dad doesn't drink. Slip. He just goes down to the yeah. basement a lot. <laughs>
2: Slip in that room because if people did feel like I was you know, a good comic and I go up and I lose it and you're going on after me, how are you going to feel, right? How is everybody
1: else going to feel? And that's the benefit to having more seasoned people now is that there's enough people that it diffuses. And I've said to the other veteran comics, I have the luxury that you didn't have then of saying to the other season comics now the new people in this room deserve to see you suck. Yep. They deserve to. But at that time when there's only one person been around a couple of years, there's yeah. no one else to go, yo. That just went shitty, but that's the that's totally normal.
2: And there was a decent amount of season comics around them, but I was I think I was the only one that was actually showing up to Yeah. Um, what became the Oil City open mic, what became right. the Streets of Bakersfield open mic. Um, I was probably the more seasoned person showing up to those things. Right. Um, because for me, what that group did and what that group still does for me a lot of times is rejuvenates yeah. me. Um, because at some point you have to, you know, what keeps me going? You gotta find right? reasons to yeah, keep going Yeah, you gotta <laughs> find reasons to keep going. Uh, but also like you can learn a lot from somebody who's been doing it three months. Yeah. Like you can, I can look at somebody who just shows up to the open mic and be like, Oh, like, especially I,
1: when you see them learn something. Yeah. Now.
2: Like I didn't think about that or just see their excitement for it Yeah. and really utilize that to rejuvenate yourself and be like, I'm excited because they're excited and right. you forget what that excitement is like. After a while, like everything kind of just turns into dredge when you're doing it by yourself, when you're uh, going to open mics two hours out of town. Like it becomes something that you hate, that you love and seeing new people do it, being around people that enjoy doing it. um,
1: Fills the tank.
2: And we've as a group, I would say, have not taken people seriously. I was actually just telling Landon Webb, I think it was Landon. Uh, When John Hacker came around, Mm. it took like two months before anybody even knew that dude's name. Like he (sighs) called himself Johnny Two Dicks or something for like a month. Yeah. And then one day he just like blew up on stage and started talking about how he hates coming. He doesn't know anybody.
1: He's it been was showing up for three it, months. He doesn't know anybody. It was today. one of those honest moments. He goes, yeah, no one even talks to me. I don't know anyone in this room except Andrew Boydstein. Yeah, and that's the part that I, I actually told <laughs> And then the we loved him and we called Andrew Boydstein for like <laughs> three months. <laughs> but it takes, but just a
2: simple fact that the group had the awareness to be like, this person's coming through. They're not going to stick around. Yep. Um He, at the time, was in music and doing all these things where I'm not going to be close to that kind of a person right off the bat because it's like, why are you really here? Um, But after a while, like it's the group is just at such a great point right now, I think. And it's like a little bit of everything you need to be successful, enough to run a good show, enough for people to have their open mics. Um, I think we're at a point where it's like the open mic scene is like on a – at, like, can we support one more open mic type thing? Like, true. I really that's think, true. and really that comes into, um, and I know Landon's probably going to hear this, and we're not at his open mic right now. Yeah, but um,
1: again, that's my little temper tantrum because my it has nothing to do with him. The night was, the night was great last week. The room was full. They're doing a good job. I'm just bitching and moaning because I lost my jacket.
2: But also, like, you you need investment from the place you're doing your open mic right Mm -hmm. so like tumblr has invested really heavily in the local comedy scene rocket shop has literally been the hub of local comedy and probably will continue to be as long as that place is still standing and they're open to us going there
1: Where we're spoiled we consider ourselves as having three open mics right now but two of those are shows kind of those
2: yeah they those are shows like i would drive out two to three hours to show up to things that look like rocket shop
1: oh yeah and we we've driven two hours to things that don't look like that don't rocket look like shop. yeah that look
2: terrible yeah and i think that with that comes a little bit of people's heads are a little bit bigger than what they probably should be yep um but it's almost like oh you weren't around when there was nobody showing up and yep. like and i tried not to be that person of like, course i just try to let everybody have fun of course all that but it
1: also you got we got to fight the urge to not pull the plug on the open mic that no one comes to just because there ain't 60 people there exactly and
2: i think that's something that landon fights with is you know nobody's coming to the open mic or they're having trouble picking up steam right and like the thing i think is learn how to run an open mic that's all you have to learn regardless of where it's going to be at those skills you take with you that's right the hosting skills the setting up your your open mic, like all that stuff, it doesn't matter if you're at Jerry's Pizza, it doesn't matter if you're at a laundromat, it doesn't, like that show's gonna run the same way, like that's what you take away from that. Um, And I know that frustration just sucks, because I've been there, where you try to run a mic, and nobody shows up, but I think we're just lucky enough to have two establishments that really are invested in you, invested in the comics, invested in everybody, that invested in comedy, and really were proactively kind of invested in it before comedy was what it is now when yep. there was literally four people showing up to the Rocket Shop open mic at first or whatever the case right. is. And I don't know, it's, it's such a good place to be at right yep. now, I think.
1: Yeah, it's much different than it was a couple of years ago. Oh, yeah, for sure. So to, to close us out, because we're, we're pushing the two-hour the two mark. Good, but, I'm here for three. Uh, you haven't you haven't been... <laughs> you,
2: <laughs> I'm here for you, three hours.
1: You haven't been home yet. I'm, yeah, I haven't I'm been home. I'm taking you from your babies. I am to,
2: literally probably going to get yelled at. You're right
1: straight to the doghouse after this. You had one more story uh, that you wanted to touch on, and, and the words that you had expressed to me was hookah lounge bombing.
2: Hookah lounge bombing, yeah. So I actually went up with Kate Lee... Where was this at? Uh, it was in Fresno. Where, so we drove up to Fresno on like where a Tuesday. Where all good hookah night. lounges are. Yeah, and at the time, hookah was really big. I want to say it was. Can
1: I guess? Two thousand thirteen.
2: Yeah, about God that time. Damn right. Yeah, about about that time. That's whole motherfucker. When hookah was, was knowledge, right there was becoming big. It never became. Sit big. on a patio
1: <laughs> and smoke tobacco out of a bungee cord. When hookah was becoming big, <laughs> yeah, it never became big. Yeah. Um, it actually was though. fucking idiots Eh, eh. it was but the boneheads like
2: the well the thing is is like
1: i fucking hate people man. much (laughs) like
2: this place it's it was an 18 and older place right because most hookah lounges were that they were 18 and older Mm
0: -hmm.
2: and the guy who ran the mic forget the guy's name he was pretty young he was like 20 and kate and i had done a show in fresno and we did really well and the guy came up to me afterwards and was like, I would like you to come and headline this show I do at and a this place. This is an open mic. No, no, it's an actual oh, show. Okay. It's a show show. Um, you know, give you fifty dollars to come and headline this I think it was called Blue Hookah Lounge or something like that. And it was downtown okay. Fresno. And it's a forty five minute set. Mm-hmm. And this place, it's a hookah lounge. It, it is. <laughs> there's not seats. Like, there's not a lot of seats. There's people literally sitting on the floor. There's people sitting on... like it. I'm sure. Yeah, like, it's. Fucking it looks hate. like it could be converted into a yoga studio in, like, eight seconds. Oh, and you have, like, those blue lights that make the smoke look cool.
1: I hate everyone in there.
2: And it's, like, every reason why hookah lounges aren't successful. Mm-hmm. And there's an 18 and older crowd... Um, which at you know, at that age you're you're pretty liberal. I'm s I'm I consider myself pretty liberal, but yeah. like it's a very um and it's in it's in a part of town that it's next to a gay club. Mm-hmm. It's next to like the women's society of something, right? It's a very, very liberal part of town. Mm. Which I'm okay with, like yeah. I said. I'm I'm pretty liberal. And
1: But but also get ready to be offended. Yeah, but also <laughs> I'm not liberal. Get at all. ready to be offended. <laughs> <laughs> I'm very
2: I'm very liberal, but I have two jokes that are not. Um, yeah. <laughs> but we we show up and there's four comics. Uh Kate Lee is featuring I'm going I don't like saying headlighting. I'm going up after Kate Lee. I'm the Closing last out the show. I'm the last person up. Um and the show starts at about seven thirty ish and we're running to about nine o'clock, right? And at the time there was this new club that was opening up in Fresno. And it was like an Asian-themed dance party club. And it was opening up across the street from the hookah lounge. And the hookah lounge is like a regular storefront where the whole storefront is just window. It's just you can look out. People can see you. You can see them. And Kate Lee goes up. Um, everybody's doing pretty well. Everybody does well. And so I'm psyched because I'm like, I am just going to absolutely kill it. Mm -hmm. That's what I'm thinking. I'm like, I'm going to go up. I'm going to murder it. Kate's killing it. Um, you know, Kate's and I's comedy kind of transitions. Well, it's, you know, it's, she has her own style, but I felt like it was a good overall well-rounded show. The guy did a good, good, did a good job running the show. It's everything you want to step into, right? Mm -hmm. Minus the fact that it's at a hookah lounge. Um, but it's a good show, mm-hmm. and I go up. And my my problem was that I had written new material, and at the time I just stuck it all in the front. I stuck mm-hmm. it within the first five minutes, and I don't Le- know if leading I, off with new stuff. Yeah, leading off with new stuff, and I don't know if I just was being
1: lazy about
2: it. But or, it was a hot crowd so far. Yeah, I was like, yeah, exactly. If there's if there's a time you're going to take a risk. It's for a good crowd,
1: and there's no right way to do it because I've I've said to you I think in episodes past that I've I've been in a tough spot doing a 45 minute set and the first joke doesn't work so I put my best stuff in the first five minutes and that didn't work and, and then here we are and then here we are yeah. ten
2: minutes in um, this is exactly like that so this this situation it plays out exactly like that okay. so I go up I I put all my new material up front and. <laughs> That, and I honestly want to say it's just because I was too damn lazy to figure out where it fits in, where I can weave it in. And um, I do this thing where I, I watch the first comic, first two comics, and then I decide what can I give this crowd? Where can I put things yeah. um, in accordance to what they're actually reacting to, right? And it was a hot crowd. And so I was like, okay, I'm going to put it all up front, hit them with the new stuff and they're going to love the back stuff. And it's going to be amazing. It's going to be an awesome 45 minutes. And I, I open up with a decent joke. Uh, some probably just hacky thing about the room. And I got them. They're yep. good. They're focused. Hooked them. They're in, they're lasered in. Kaylee did such an amazing job. And she had, I've, I've probably never seen her do better than that. She did absolutely amazing. And, she gives me everything I need to be successful. <laughs> the promoter gives me everything I need to be successful. The room is ready. Yes, there's smoke, but at this time, this is as good as it's going to get for me, right? <laughs> but, but, yeah. This absolutely all falls on me. And I go up, and for one, I'm wearing a hat, and I kind of hate that. I don't Backwards know. Backwards or that even, frontwards? It's frontwards. Um, but
1: I just. Do you turn it backwards like Sly Stallone over the top? No, not at all. No, I hate hate myself. There's your problem.
2: I'm not big on wearing hats on stage and I'm wearing a hat. It just that <laughs> just kind of to me goes to show how much I thought I was gonna kill it. I don't break. care if I'm wearing a hat. Like whatever. This right? breaks
1: a Joe Allen's rule. Yeah, it's just this like is. all
2: these little things that I was kind of just whatever.
1: You are like our Todd glass. You've got some specific rules. I, uh, yeah. And there's an injustice if they're broken. Yeah, if they I no hats on stage. <laughs> no hats on and stage. And
2: I went up with a hat. That's that isn't like beside the point, it doesn't even matter. <laughs> I'm like just off on trails now. Just went off with went on
1: yeah. went on with a hat.
2: And I'm up there, and I, I, I do this new five minutes up front. I had them with that first quick one, and they're in they're sitting down, I'm ready, and this room they're ready for comedy, and I'm mm-hmm. ready to give it to them. and they're
0: <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
2: Oh jeez. I love that. I am going to hate this podcast. I love that. I am absolutely not going to listen back to this podcast. If you're a comic oh. and you're listening to this and you see me at an open mic and you are you quote this podcast, I am never going to listen to this podcast. Someone,
1: if you listen to this, when you see Joe just say, I'm ready to give it to him? <laughs> I was ready to. D- if you find the right hole. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. I was ready to give it to him. So you were- <laughs> So I'm you five said minutes you was going to give it to her. <laughs> <laughs>
2: I'm uh, about five minutes in, and they're hanging with me, and they're good, they're ready. And I do this bit that I didn't even work through. I didn't really think about t- too thoroughly. It's just like this one-off thought I had. Yeah. And it's a very liberal crowd, and they're very kind of. Uh, I should have noticed that there's a couple of times, in the first couple of comics, where they would tense up, and that's there was just certain things I didn't want to hear. Yep. And I go up and, like, my third joke is a joke about, um, like, slavery or something. <laughs> <laughs> and see, like, just thinking about it, yeah. like, I, I it sounds stupid. Uh, the bit was something about, like, that the thought of owning people is weird. Mm-hmm. Like, buying and selling people, like, that's a weird thought. And I want to say, like, the the punchline was like oh you go to a party and they're like oh who's your guest and you're like oh actually it's they're my gift to you right yeah. like just it was stupid and that whole thing got him to tense right anytime you say the word slavery like people are gonna tense up tense period up. right yep. like that's hopefully um, and it's not my style of comedy That's hopefully. not something i do
1: and we've both been in rooms where they do <laughs> where they <laughs> where they don't and you're like ooh, you're <laughs> yeah you're like in this yeah. way <laughs> <laughs> you're liking this way too far before the punchline. Yep. And
2: uh so I, I dropped that on there and that's just like a, it's a buzzword you don't want to say that. Like it's a weird yep. thing to lead in with mm-hmm. uh especially if you haven't earned it. And that's really the biggest thing about you gotta story. You got to earn slavery. <laughs> <laughs> you have to earn buzzwords. The, like yeah, like there's certain things if you're going to if you're going to say that you have to have them in with you. You right. have to let them know and give have given them enough of yourself to know that you're not hateful, and you're going to give them an intellectual spin on what you're about to give them.
1: That you're going to bring them home safe. Yeah,
2: I'm going to bring. Yeah, I'm going to lead in with this, but also we're bringing this back. Um, I didn't do that. I didn't earn that. And what I did is I just boom, slavery bit. And mm-hmm. even though it's not a hateful bit, even though it's actually just looking at it from the outside, looking in, and to be like, we used to buy, and ins- like, that's so stupid, right? The whole thing is, is slavery is
1: stupid. I say this so many times, and and you see it with new comics a lot. They'll go up and they'll tell whatever dick joke they had planned and it doesn't really work, and then they go into religion, guys. <laughs> <laughs> and
2: that's exactly what I did here. So yeah. that bit didn't work, right? Mm-hmm. Even though the bit is, I'm with you guys. Slavery is stupid, and that's what actually I'm trying to get across in this bit. mm mm-hmm. I just didn't earn the right to talk about it. And then I go into a plagiarism bit, Mm -hmm. which is really hacky. And it was how um, when I took a plagiarism class, the professor called it intellectual rape, which is another buzzword Yep, I didn't earn. That's right. And I absolutely lose the crowd. Mm -hmm. They are gone. They are so far gone. One guy gets up, walks out. One girl's offended. Like, I can look at her through the smoke in the blue lights, uh, see her actually be offended. The smoke
1: is now coming from (laughs) her ears.
2: And it's one of the first times I felt like like I stood on stage and very honestly told myself, I royally messed this up. Mm -hmm. This is on me. Like, I didn't earn any of that. And I'm five minutes into a (laughs) 45-minute set. Yeah. And it did not get any better mm-hmm. the whole rest of the set was just me deciding i'm gonna make it through this time and i want to say by the time i was done it was me kate lee the promoter and one guy who's just high off of his ass oh they walked they, everybody walked out and wow. like literally and the, the reason why they put out their so sandals they, on and walked <laughs> out <down. laughs> <laughs>
0: they put on their clothes uh, and got yeah, the hell out of it. Yeah, Tie off your man bun and get <laughs> the fuck out.
1: <laughs> they're, just play, they're just playing hacky sack outside, <laughs> and you could see them through the window.
2: Well, what I could see through the window, through the whole set, this whole set of just... <laughs> I just wanted to, like, literally... Wa- I wanted myself to walk out after <laughs> what I did. Um, but the whole time, I was looking out the window and thinking... There's this line of people to get into this hot new club. Hmm. Who are ready to have the time of their life? Who have probably ended up on a wait list to get in? Who are ready to get drunk, ready to go in and have a blast, right? <laughs> and it is just the antithesis of what I am feeling on stage. <laughs> sure. And I'm looking out to this to the to the crowd, not inside of the Hookah Lounge, but yeah. outside at this club, and thinking. Why can't I be one of them? Right. (laughs) Why can't I just (laughs) go
1: to a club? Why can't waiting in that line to get in that building be enough for me? Yeah. Why do I have to be the thing they're coming to see?
2: And why do I have to be so stubborn to actually take up all the rest of this time, ruin everybody's night even
1: further? I hate to blame you for this.
2: No, it is. (laughs) No, you have every right. It's completely my
1: fault. Not that. I hate to blame you for this. But I think I know why hookah never got that big. <laughs>
2: <laughs> it ended in Fresno. Yeah, I killed hookah.
0: I killed. killed hookah.
1: Well, thank you. That is, that is an altruistic act, <laughs> if I've ever heard it. Is anybody who kills hookah is okay with me? Sorry to interrupt. No,
2: you're fine, and that's it. Like that's essentially it. Is I remember thinking for about thirty minutes of that forty five minutes set, uh, just looking out the crowd, and I could swear I remember pausing a few times and <laughs> just giving a. <sighs> And looking out to that to that line of people in their their white dresses for the all white party at the yeah. Asian dance studio. Oh, exactly right. And just being like, why? Why can't? Why do I have to be here? As
1: the crowd walks. Why, yeah.
2: why am I this person? <laughs> why did I do this? <laughs> why can't this? I be normal? Why did I do this to these people?
1: Why can't I do ecstasy and go in that club like a normal person? Yeah,
2: like why can't I just be like all those beautiful people? In my, why do I have to be on this stage why do I have with to be this the thing? stupid hat on doing oh. these stupid <laughs> Did you play? is that where the hat rule came in? It's, I, I, I can't do it. When man. the
1: people left, you should have yelled at them as they were going, I was ready to give it to you.
2: <laughs> <laughs> but it's like one of those times where you bomb and it's like, it's, you only can blame yourself. Right. right? Like it's, I did it to myself. Oh God. And to, to. I almost, I mean, I could have cut and run at 15 minutes, but I almost punished myself by staying on stage That's and being right.
1: like, nope, you did this, you have to see this through. But also, I am i am a pro, and what a pro does is does their 45 minutes. <laughs> they do their 45. They do their 45 minutes, and more importantly, they get their $50. <laughs>
2: yeah, I got my 45 bucks, we got out of there, and I never went to that club, but guess what? Both those places are closed down. Now.
1: Fucking right. What was the first thing that Kate said to you when you came off stage? That's yeah. <laughs> how <laughs> you know you bombed. But yeah. all you get is some kind of weird squeal out of, something. especially from one of the sweetest people on earth. Because yeah. if she could have said anything, she would have.
2: Well, I mean, <laughs> she. Uh, well, I probably shouldn't talk about what she does, but she's she goes to places that are like literally the dredge of society. Yeah. Visits these places as part of her
1: work. So she's shrugging this off like it.
2: It is not. It doesn't phase her. It doesn't make her it, no reaction visiting these places that nobody wants to visit. Right. That it is literally the underbelly that, of society. Places
1: where people need to be rescued from.
2: Yes, and her reaction to my set is. Uh, <laughs> <I can't. laughs> oh, I can't. And the whole way home, it was just her trying to make me feel good about oh, ruining everybody's night.
1: Yeah, that's all I need to hear. That is, that is what every new, newer comic needs to hear. As everyone who's bombed their first headlining set needs to hear. It sucks. That every, but everybody, everybody does it. You just got to sack up and go out next time and be ready to give it to but them. But if it happens,
2: work through your time. do it all you do do, it all
1: you do your goddamn time yeah
2: people paid to see you well not you but
1: (laughs) people paid to smoke hookah
2: not me they just happened to get me that's this this is what you get they paid for kate i'm glad kate (laughs) gave them
1: you came out i'm ready to give it to you that
2: time i featured for kate but they just let me go on last
1: (laughs) i closed out the show yeah it was a good time well I'm going to let you go home. If you listen to this podcast, uh I'm going to try to put this out probably Thursday or Friday. If you know Joe's fiance, uh please send her a text or message and and ask her to let him get off the couch because we are <laughs> we, we are well over the 2 hour mark. Yeah, I think
2: trouble. so. If I don't show up to open mic on Thursday,
1: when he gets send home, help. when he gets home, she's going to be ready to give it to him. Yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> That stuff, that funk, that sweet, that funky stuff. Give it to me, give me that stuff, that funk, that sweet, that funky stuff. Give it to me, give it to me, give it to me, give it to me, give, me. The give it th- the funk. That sweet funky stuff.